0: Down a darker path tonight Before Australia's Stonehenge Richard Patterson spent 20 years Researching Who he thinks Is Jack the Ripper When we sat down to do this one I wasn't sure what to expect I did Delve into the serial killer Genre And that twisted Side of mentality Many years ago And it was interesting to Observe where my mind was at as Richard was sharing his research, which culminated in a book, Jack the Ripper The Works of Francis Thompson. It was a fascinating conversation, one of those ones where I'm not entirely sure how it went. So I'm going to listen back to this one along with you guys. And it is a departure from the usual stuff that we have out here at Unlocking the Code. However, When opportunity arises, you take it, and we must always examine all sides of the human existence, understanding that there is serial killers operating on every continent all the time to this day. I wasn't really sure what to do as far as music for this one, it's hard to pair a song to Jack the Ripper, so I'm going to read his poem, the one that we discuss The Nightmare of the Witch Babies. I'm going to end with that before we get into this one. And look, after reading the full poem and after listening to Richard, I'm going to side with Richard. I think Francis Thompson was Jack the Ripper. However, what I didn't understand at the start of this conversation was the reverberation through time. And uh, if it bleeds, it leads. Started. Started. With Jack the Ripper. Which is something that we still deal with to this day. It's interesting how. Things can have a reverberation. Through time. I recommend you buy. Richard's book. You can find it at. www.patestos.com. That's where you can order the book. It's also where you can find all of Richard's other work. Also found it on eBay in a paperback and on Amazon in Kindle. So make sure you give it a read. As I said, it's a bit of a darker subject, however, we've got to understand this. We've got to explore this. I don't have too much more with this one. It's a bit different. However, looking forward to listening back to it. I'm not going to say enjoy because of the subject matter, however, I hope this provides a different perspective. And speaking of different perspectives, The Nightmare of the Witch Babies. Two witch-babies, ha-ha, two witch-babies, ho-ho, a a bedamon-ridden hag with a devil-pigged alone begat them late at night on the bloody rusted stone, and they dwell within the land of the bare shank-bone where the evil goes to and fro, two witch-babies, ho-ho-ho. A lusty knight, ha-ha, on a swart steed, ho-ho, Rode upon the land, where the silence feels alone. Rode upon the land of the bare shank bone. Rode upon the strand of the dead man's groan. Where the evil goes to and fro, to witch babies ho, ho, ho. A rotten mist, ha, ha, like dead man's flesh, was abhorrent in the air. Clung to a tether in the wood of the wicked-looking trees, was a scurf upon the flood and the reeds they were pulpy with blood 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 and the clouds were looming low two witch babies ho 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 no one life there ha ha no sweet life there ho ho but the long loud laugh and the short shrill howl and the quick brisk flip of the horned owl as he flits right past with his gloomy cow through the murkiness long and low, two witch-babies, ho, ho, ho. What it sees he, ha, ha, is there, there in the frightfulness, ho, ho, there he saw a maiden, a fairest fair. Sad were her dusk eyes, long was her hair, sad were her dreaming eyes, misty her hair, and strange were her garments flow, two witch-babies, ho, ho, ho. Swiftly he followed her, ha-ha, eagerly he followed her, ho-ho, from the rank the greasy saw, red bubbles oozed and stood, till it grew a putrid slime, and where his horse has trod, the ground plash-plashes with a wet, too like to blood, and chilled terrors like a fungus grow, to which babies, ho-ho-ho, there stayed the maiden, ha-ha, shed all her beauty, ho-ho, she shred her flower of beauty grew lately old and dire was the demon ridden witch and the consort of hellfire am i a lovely noble knight see thy heart's own desire now they come come upon thee lo to witch babies ho 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 into the fogginess ha ha lo she corrupted ho ho comes there a death with the looks of a witch and joints that creak like a night bird's scritch, and breath that smokes like the smoking pitch, and eyeless sockets aglow, to which babies ho ho ho, close behind it ha ha, a close behind it ho ho, comes there a babe of bloated youth with a curdled eye and a snaggy tooth and a life no mortal dare speak its sooth, and its tongue like a worm doth show, to which babies ho ho ho. Its paunch a-swollen ha-ha, its life a-swollen ho-ho. Like the hiatus stays drowned, harsh was its hum, and its paunch was rent like a braston drum. And the blubbered fat from its belly doth come, with a sickening ooze, hell made it so, to which babies ho-ho-ho. It leaps on his charger, ha-ha, it clasps him fondly, ho-ho. Its joints are about him, its breast in his bones, its eyes glare in his, and it sucks up his groans. He hiatus from his horse, he burns on the stones, and his mail cracks off in a glow. Two witch babies, ho, ho, ho. Its tooth in his shoulder, ha, ha. His skin dully champing, ho, ho. Slime like a snail with that loathly thing. His own self writhed him with shuddering. His gaze grew dark and his soul took wing, while his breast still kept its flow. Two witch babies, ho, ho, ho. Hist, hiss, a gloominess, ha ha! Hiss, hiss, a something, ho ho! Away with a scream, the swart steed flew, the evil shadows, those ghostly two, and a hiatus slime kneaded with a sanguine dew in the, into the dread slime below. Two which babies, ho ho ho! Two which babies, ha ha! Two which babies, ho ho! The elder hath a name, and the name of it is lust, and the name of that its brother. Ah, its name is lust, disgust. They are ever in a land where the sun is dead with rust. So the scummy mist thickens below. Woe for the witch babies. Woe, woe, woe. There where corruption alone doth grow. There still the evil goes to and fro. It is formless, nameless, vague. It is dread made palpable. None can paint its face for none who behold it live to tell. Tis a shadow on the earth. Of the awful nether hell, it is nightmare, God made it so, shun the land and shun the woman, shun the wicked spell, two witch babies, woe, woe, woe. Welcome back everyone, tonight we head down a bit of a different path, Mr Patterson is back with us again, however before he discovered the Stonehenge documents that we've gone through a few times now, he delved into Jack the Ripper, how many years did you spend studying that mate? 20
1: years. Oh, welcome back, by the way. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me back, Triffin. I'm really glad to be back. Did you just say 20 years? Yeah. I spent 20 years researching this. In um, Compared to that, Stonehenge is like nothing out of the amount of time. Yeah. You know, I spent maybe three years, four years on Stonehenge. Two yeah. years, maybe. Mm-hmm. Like real studying. So 20 years. So what? So let's start
0: back at the start, mate. What... What made you, I mean, obviously, I went through my own period of uh, studying serial killers in some of the major cases, you know, Zodiac, Ted Bundy, you know, Jack the Ripper, obviously, you know, understanding that there's always serial killers operating in every country pretty much all the time to this day. However, what,
1: why a 20-year dedication to that idea or to that path? Because I wanted something once when I was really young and um, it didn't come true and it should have because I was an idealist and I thought to myself maybe something happened in the past that stuffed everything up and maybe my ideals are right maybe people's ideals are right maybe something really bad happened we don't know about and yeah and that's I thought something happened about 100 years ago I had this guess this hunch that something had changed we'd all sort of frozen in time in not the best picture, the, the paradigm, mm. and I wanted to see what had locked us into this paradigm where we're not really free, and I found something that happened hundred years ago, or one hundred twenty years ago, mm.
0: and I thought that could be it. Well, you think Jack the Ripper reverberated through time that experience? Because that was what, what a lot of press was done on that at the time. It was mass hysteria.
1: Yeah, at at the time there was it was yeah it was very um, it was huge. It was like blockbuster proportions of when it came to what the general public was consuming in the press um, but with with no suspect that we know of or with the all the other suspects I know of apart from Francis Thompson my suspect mm. you all you get is like an emitter from 1888 saying like a you know like a, a white dwarf saying this is an event that when we do cycle back to it Mm. And have parts remnants like any major event in our psyche, collective consciousness, our animus mundi, um, and I think that what you have with this event is that it, um, it, it, if it's Francis Thompson, is you get a meter that doesn't just play in in um, it, 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 it doesn't play um, it plays in stereo. Mm. Okay. It what I'm what I'm trying to say is that with Francis Thompson, because he was such a huge force in history, you now have an echo, like a beam, like a torchlight that's shining in another direction, providing this unknown influence of Francis of Jack the Ripper. Mm. I believe if Francis Thompson was Jack the Ripper, there's an influence on Jack the Ripper which is far greater than we realize, and it extends into the current. Okay, that's very interesting.
0: That's very interesting. So, I mean, I I, I remember. When i was been thinking about it the last couple of days, because I know you were coming up, about what I remember about the Jack the Ripper cases uh, that I've read about over the years. And the one that sticks out to me, and I think I read it at a, at a formative age, probably pretty young, was that there was a diary found behind a cupboard or something like that. And it was some guy professing to be
1: Jack the Ripper. Yeah, I think that's about 20 years old, maybe 25 years old, yeah. actually longer. And which would what, make sense, because that's probably about the time I read it. I probably found it in a clandestine spot or something yeah, like would, that. Yeah, at the time, it was all over the press. That yeah. The Diary of Jack the had been found, like the Diary of Hitler. Yeah. It was a big... And Anyway, the Diary of Hitler has proven to be forged. Um, the Diary of James Maybrick, which is what the this book pur- purports to be, a rich, uh, Liverpool cotton merchant... Mm. The idea is that he wrote, um, he was Jeff Ripper and he wrote the diary and it was passed down and um, one of his relatives gave it to a, a researcher mm. and that's how it came about. Mm. And the diary exists and many tests have been done on the diary. Um, it's inconclusive, the results on the test still. Okay. Um, but the press said this is, oh, he was Jeff Ripper. So that was James Maybrick and he looks like the typical Jeff Ripper. He's got a tall top hat and... Mm. You know that, that he's got that sort of caricature to him yes um and he was murdered by his wife who poisoned him um was it with arsenic or something with like arsenic. yeah that's, that's right. right yeah and my suspect francis thompson the editors who brought him off the streets of my when he lived in london um and who became his benefactors and best friends and who became the subject of the only you know he, he they became the subject of his will so you know he, he was great. He was in great debt to these editors in his life, long-time friends. They held a party, a fundraising party, for Maybrick's wife Florence Maybrick, who who poisoned her husband to raise money for a defence. Yeah, right. Now see how I did that. Mm. That's why Francis Thompson had an impact on Jack the Ripper, and this continued to happen. That weird synchronicity. Yeah, right. So he was there. He was there. A number of different times throughout the different theories that... Yeah. Yeah, right. Okay. And not just that. I'm going tell weird synchronicity. Well, so, well hang on, before we Before we get sorry. there. Before we get there.
0: Yeah. So you, you know, I've had a flick through your book. I'm sure I read it. Every time I look at the, the words and stuff, I've I, I've picked it up somewhere before. However, Francis Thompson... He, where, tell us about Francis Thompson. Where did he grow up? What,
1: what, who is Francis Thompson? Prior? Francis, okay, Francis Thompson. Um, the, 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 I think the part that pertains to the crimes, so I'll start there. Actually, um, just before the crimes and during the crimes, he was living in the area. If you ask, because I'm just talking about his life, he was living in the area. He was, um, on drugs actually withdrawing from drugs so he was suffering what's called hyperesthesia, or I think it's the term where you everything becomes vibrant and you everything becomes hypersensitive to you mm. and it, it's yeah it's like you can suddenly snap awake because he was, he was constantly on laudanum for most of his life. What is, what is what is laudanum? Is that opiates or it, it, it's it's heroin? It's okay. Morph, it's it's more morphine. Morphine, I think it is. It's mm. a mixed with, it's wine mixed with water. I mean, it's water mixed with with um, um, opium liquid. Okay. So the opium liquid. Yeah. Um, and it's sold in, in drams, and like twenty drams could kill you. And they sold it in about forty dram bottles. Yeah. But there was always big strict warnings on on, on laudanum not to overdose, mm. or, or the opium. So but he'd mix it himself and drink it. So he drank like a wine. But yeah, really, right. he, he was on heroin. Okay. But not during the crimes. During the crimes, he suddenly withdrew from from 10 years of taking this stuff. And um, at the time of the, the crimes, he was in the East End. He was living about uh, 100 meters away from where Mary Kelly, the final victim, was slaughtered. Yeah. Um, and before her murders, over the months before her murders, he was living in various parts of the East End. He was carrying a dissecting scalpel, a general use dissecting scalpel, a uh, blade about, oh, about longer than the average butter knife. Mm-hmm. Um, and he knew how to use it well. He cut up 400 cadavers before arriving in the East End. Mm. Um, and what, what did he, he go to school, trained as a surgeon, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, that's right. He trained as a surgeon at Owens Medical College in Manchester between 18... 18- 78 and mm-hmm.
2: 1884.
1: So, so he about, spent six years Yeah, then. he spent six years, and it wasn't a normal medical school. It was a school that specialized in a new form of autopsy um, um, by a pathologist. that had been devised by a German pathologist and it was very recent at the time by a man called Virchow. And he learned pathological um, organ removal. Right. Because prior to that, you didn't remove organs during um, post mortems. Okay. Um, but he learned the radical new technique they just introduced in Germany. Only his school was teaching it. And his school specialised in using cadavers and physical work over textbook work. Okay. And it was considered the, one of the five best medical schools in the country. And he studied there for six years in surgery, working in the um, emergency ward. Yeah, as, right. As an intern and studying.
0: Yeah. So where did they get the cadavers from? Was it just people who died or were they just... Yes, people
1: who died naturally. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyway, so he's in the East End. He's got this knife from there. Um, and he's looking for a prostitute that's left him, who fled him from the West End, and, he, and she fled to the East, end. he was there looking for her. And in his pocket of his long coat, if you reach into one pocket, because this is what he was doing for his time, apart from being homeless, he'd been homeless for three years. And if you ask him what he was doing for his time, he reached into one pocket and pulled out a poem, which is a poem which he just had sent to a publisher that his prostitute friend had found out before she fled him. And that poem talked about hunting down prostitutes and ripping their stomach open and pulling out their fetuses so he could snap their necks so more prostitutes wouldn't be born from their, from from the woman. Um, Seriously, that's what the poem was about? Yeah, it was about a man who hunts through the streets of London with a knife disembowelling women um, so he could find fetuses to snap their necks. and. The poem is called The Nightmare of the Witch Babies and the poem has the narrator laugh all the way through it, ha, 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 ha as he slaughters all these women. And as he does so, um, he's at glee because when he gets to the murder, the most brutal murder, he finds twins, unborn twins, and he has his—he talks about the relationship should of being able to snap the necks of these whores, would-be whores. And, yeah, that was his poem. And she'd read that, or did, okay, let me rephrase that. She was literate, couldn't read it. But she found out what it was about after it got after after it got sent to a publisher, right? Who did not publish it because it was so foul, and said. And the publisher's wife. So wrote, how do we know what that? That's because, what the poem said. Because I've read the poem, because it's in my book, because it is found in the, in the archives. When I did my twenty years of research, part of where I went was Boston College in the USA, mm. and where Francis Thompson wrote all this down, and he he kept notebooks on him at the time, and the notebooks survived most of them after he was rescued from the streets of 1888. So he's in the East End. He's got in one pocket uh, a notebook that has that poem, and in mm. his other pocket he's got an unpublished short story, the only short story he ever wrote in his life, even though he was a prolific poet. And that story is about a poet who kills a woman with a knife. So he he become famous through it and become a famous poet. And Francis Thompson became a world-famous poet after the murders. But at the time, no one even knew who he was. Most people thought he was dead. So how did he become famous after the murders? Well, what happened was it, uh, about a week after the murders, he, the editor who he'd sent the poems to rescued him from the streets. And he, they took him to a sanitarium to recuperate from exhaustion. And then they sent him to a monastery in Wales. And he spent two years there on the top floor of a walled male only monastery that had guard dogs. And that's where he wrote the, part, the short story about hunting down a woman killing her so he became become a famous poet. Who It that coincidentally was written by a man who wasn't known as a poet at the time and became a famous poet. So what other poems did he write? He obviously didn't always write about... Did he always write about dark stuff, no, his poetry? No, not at all. Um, he was a brilliant poet. He was a genius. He wrote beautiful poetry. Um, what was published... Um, by that editor was called The Passion of Mary and so what happened is basically it, if, do you mind telling me how the editor got the Absolutely, poem published? Yeah. Okay so Francis Thompson he was prior to 1888 when he was living in the West End he was living at the, at the prostitute who, who fled him who left him her after apartment after finding the nasty poem yeah, yeah before before finding the nasty poem or before her reading to understand what the poem said because she didn't as I said she was most likely illiterate before her discovery of the poem, he was living with her in her apartment in Chelsea, and he's lived with her, in a and they had sexual relations, and this had happened for a year, and during that time, she urged him to send poetry off to publishers, yeah, and he did to one, and that publisher read the the number of the Witch Babies, for this, and his wife um, um, wrote that on the letter, or on, like when they stowed it away, she wrote, um the detestable witch poems, which I hate. And it had in that um, her just m- m- putting it down to opium use. Like, obviously, someone on drugs sent this to us. Oh, okay, and, yeah. And basically what happened is Francis Thompson, after his, after his girlfriend, who was a prostitute, said, look, um, you know, send something. You've got to send something. You know, you can't. we can't live like this. Um, and she found him on the streets. Mm. Um, what happened was that he... Um, sent it to the publisher with a letter, and the letter said, "Here's some poetry and a few essays, and if you don't like it, throw it in the bin. That's fine with me. I'm going to kill myself if you don't publish it." And then what happened was the editor got the envelope that had lawn and stains all over it. Thought this is pretty gross, and was busy and put it in a pigeonhole, planned to open up later, mm. but he didn't. And Francis Thompson tried to commit suicide, and he went to a um, a uh, sorry rubbish dump in Covent Garden mm. a uh, vegetable rubbish dump and he sat on top of a pile of veggies and had a in his pocket and he had 40 drams enough to kill two people and he swallowed the first half and then was about to swallow the second half to kill himself and while he's doing this the, the, he's letter sitting in a pigeon hole didn't get open for a year and Francis Thompson he says he was about to take the second half of the opium, which would have killed him outright, mm. when he felt a hand on his shoulder and it was a ghost. Mm. And it was a ghost of, a, of a, a, poet, a young poet who committed suicide at the age of 14 called Thomas Chatterton. And the ghost told him, do not kill yourself, you have a special mission on earth. Right. And hold your life. And Francis Thompson didn't take the second half and the next day Fanatic was published. Yeah,
0: right. So what led him to, do we know what his fascination is
1: what led him to the surgeon school um because his mother said he had to get a job or she kicked him out of the house right and he just found that and oh she got it for him yeah her her, her husband his father was a, was a doctor oh okay so there's the medicals in the family yeah but what but people think because the father was a doctor mm. and a homeopathic mm. doctor um that he um that that he was one who urged Francis Thompson to become a doctor, but no, he wanted his son to be a priest. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Did he Did he enter into the priesthood at all? Yeah, he started at the age of ten, and went all the way to the age of eighteen, and the priest said that he was. Um, they said he was a genius. They said they see nothing like him at the college. Mm. Um, out of the oh, just. I think that i think the numbers were it's four thousand five hundred students that were attending at the time of during, when he studied at usher college to become a priest mm. um and he'd gone through all the ceremonies beforehand you know mm. he just had to do the final priest, the final yeah, the final, you know, yeah get the nod sort of thing. that's right um they he out of the forty thousand students or so they had 21 competitive exams in english and he won 16 of them and they'd said they'd never seen anything like him he knew several languages by the age of fourteen, you know, mm. classical Greek and French and Latin and German and yeah. He he was yeah. He so was there's a, there's d-
0: an obsessiveness there, it, it sort of sounds like as well. Like he was obviously very uh concentrated in that. Why didn't he take the final
1: exam? Do we know why he didn't be, become a priest? Yeah, he because he kept on seeing churches on fire and it was a bad look. Yeah, right.
0: So there was burnings back in the day, was that, is that what's the... Oh, he'd set churches on
1: fire. Oh, well, he'd set churches yeah. on fire. He'd set churches on fire and that was a bad, it didn't, they didn't think that was a great thing for, uh, you know, when, you know, they thought he could be anything in the priesthood, you know, he could have gone anywhere on in, in the clergy, he was that smart, but they didn't like the idea that he'd like to set fire to churches. But they put it down officially as him being um, idyllant, um, Id- um, Id- like lazy. Not he trying. was lazy, so he burned down churches. So did he, did anyone die in these fires, or no? We got in the newspaper once, and he, yeah, almost injured a few people. And how many churches did he burn? We know of two. Um, he does a few other things he burnt, which I'll go into if you want to know. That's Absolutely, yeah. Okay, because well, I'm trying to build a character of this guy. Oh, okay, yeah. He he. Okay, the first time he said a church on fire. This will give you an
0: idea of his character. Can I nick that lighter off you, mate? Before you before you continue the story, yeah. it's there somewhere. Sure, sure. Trying to find it. So he set churches on fire. So there's a there's a, there's a disturbed individual living inside that guy's head. Uh, it seems from a young age,
1: but also obsessive about education and you know or whatever he picked okay. up. Okay, what what, what did, I'll just jump in. I'll jump in to Marley explain something about his psyche before I talk about the church fires. In that sure, school. sure. These are about some other churches that got caught on fire. So what happened was when he was about nine years old, an agitator, an anti-Catholic agitator, Protestant Catholic agitator. Um, Anti-Catholic agitator called William Murphy arrived into t- arrived nearby town. He couldn't come in the town because people thought he was going to get attacked or arrested. Um, and as
0: an agitator, what agitating? Um,
1: he he was saying that the Catholics eat babies in their masses and okay. their black masses and they're cannibals and satanic satanists and the Pope's evil, the Antichrist. And yeah, right. Well, he, it still goes on till today too, doesn't it? Right, there's nothing. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's the <laughs> point about something really bad happened that locked us into a weird thing. Yeah, right. Um, okay, so, um, William Murphy comes to town saying, look, we've got to kill them all. And so a riot took place and, um, hundreds and hundreds of Protestants went down Francis Thompson Street where he lived. Um, they, they scalped one man in the street that he was in, they shot and killed a couple of others. They ransacked the streets that they lived in, pulled all the bedding out and ripped everything to shreds of every house and set houses on fire. So why? Because that was a Catholic area? Or? Yeah. It was a um, Francis Thompson was born in Preston, Lancashire, which is a Catholic stronghold. Yeah, um, it's very pro-Catholic and it's got a long tradition. Um, Preston means priest town. It's you know okay. Catholic yeah, yeah. bastion area. Um, and he, at the time, the fr- his family had friends and were quite sociable. But then they moved um, from Preston to to ashton under lyon outside Manchester, which was a very Protestant city. Um, but ashton under lyon had a small area. Of Catholics about there were seven Catholic priests for the whole of Ashton the town, um, and Francis Thompson's family only dealt with them. Francis Thompson's family only had Catholic priests as friends. No one else okay. entered the house. All Francis Thompson's saw were Catholic priests. Right. Okay. And so and, and then the but there's, so there's what happened? An, there's an influence on that during your childhood, then isn't it? Well, when when the when the riot took place, the Catholic priests after the riot had to flee the town, um, and Francis Thompson's had family were cut off from everyone during the remainder of the time there. Um, the, in the riots, they said that they burnt a church down, the rioters, and Francis Thompson's family hid another church and they tr- surrounded it and shots fired into, was shot into the church and people had to, um, people were injured and the only person there who could um, amputate was his father. Right. And it was a small church mm. and it's fires burning all around and the army had to be called in and took five days to stop the rioting. Really? And, yeah, it was really big. It was called the so this is the Manchester, Manchester Protestant riots happening. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah right, uh, okay. Ash- yeah, the Manchester riots. The yeah, the Man- yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. That, I've heard about that, the yeah. Manchester riots. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. That. So this is, so he's, he's subjected so, to burning churches and, and, and what he dissecting some, bodies at a
1: very young age then, yeah, he by the right? Yeah, he's in a church that was about to burn down after the other church was burned to the ground. And he was there with his father, who was basically amputating people. And remember, there's no anesthetists back then, you know, painkillers. No, bite on on this. Bite on this. Um, And if he was going to ask anyone to help, his son wouldn't have been far away. Yeah. And anyway, that's when Thompson first read the um, Apocalypse. He grabbed the Bible and he flicked to the page that he thought had made most sense to what was going on around him. Mm -hmm. And that's when he realized the Antichrist existed. Okay. Right. in in, during that trauma
0: so basically then yeah you're setting up if that if that happened at a formative age you're setting up the the exact manifestation
1: of what he was actually what he ended up doing well then oh so back to the churches that he set on fire so the first church he set on fire so i'll jump in before i forget yeah is that he was about 13 returned back from school um to town and he wanted to wear because he'd been studying as a priest when he did the mass the sunday mass at town during the summer holidays he wanted to wear the purple robes, which you only wear when you're a full priest right because only like like i said about 13 and he anyway they said he couldn't um and so what he did is he snuck a, a, up and took the took it and he, he was sitting in his roads. seat he first seen that on the pew with everyone else where he was meant to sit he was meant to help the um Furifier, a, a guy who swings a little chalice yeah, yeah, yeah. and basically just follows him around. Um he thought he was more important than that and he said he wanted to be a priest. So that he stole the he quickly jumped from his chair, stole the purple robe, started to light the candles which the priest does and he did it so hastily he set the curtains on fire above the candles and that it suddenly blared through the church. And remember this these people have, have seen Catholic churches burn down yeah. before. Um and they flee and he got in the papers. And then, and they took. But the thing is, when they cleaned up the mess and were putting the fires out, Francis Thompson had sat back in his chair as if nothing had happened. So he was sitting there just watching the fires, watching them put. You know, the the maids and people come and all put the get rid of the cinders and stuff and restock the handles and do all that. Second fire he caused. He got the thurible himself, the one that you swing. But instead of swinging it gently, he swung it over his head so fast it burst into flame like a meteor. And he let it go into the crowd. Right. And that, yeah, see, and that caused a fire in the church, <laughs> even though the church is, but there were hot cinders mm. spagatted everywhere and that was a danger. But they did cause fires after the murders, but I won't go into that unless you want to know because we, that you might be more want to know about his past and what m- may have triggered him. Yeah, well, I'm just, I'm just trying to build a a, a character. I mean... So,
0: do you think as well that the fact that he got into the papers may have fed his writing and and wanting to be published again as well, if you think about that? I mean, you know, being in the, the, you know, seeing your, your name in the paper for whatever reason, you know, there's no such thing as bad publicity. Maybe that fed into something at a young age as well. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, right. So he's imprinted at a young age in a church, burning around him, and he's imprinted with with dissecting or taking parts from people's bodies. Yep. And so he didn't they didn't allow him to be a priest because of the these these incidents. Was mm. there only the two or was there more than that? There was more than that. Is there any of them of significance worth mentioning or? Um. No. No, okay, no. No, I don't think so. But there were more than that. I could,
1: yeah. He had a very interesting schoolhood. Yeah, um, right. And and there were several instances, which emeritus, but you know, they're in my book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's more interesting things to talk about. I would say. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Ma- yeah, fair but, enough. But but, but the, if you want to ask other other more instances in his childhood, which may have framed his adulthood, there are plenty of big ones. Yeah. Well, has it give us a couple of those, and we might move might move forward. You reached a majority of age when you were 21, 1988. Or actually in, in, in the 1800s, 1900s and still is, I think, well at least in the USA. but anyway, back then you were an adult when you were twenty one, the day before he turned twenty one, his mother died of a long illness, and he wrote about that, and if you want to hear it, I can read it out to you, but I have to pause to get the page. Mm. but it's a very gruesome poem about the death of his mother, and then he was also angered by the fact that his father planned to remarry a girl younger than younger than him. Yeah, right And he Yeah, that was the cause of the argument That made him flee his home And flee to London Because he was so I rate his father would dare to remarry a Catholic And he, you know, basically wrote a poem about that That described the stepmother as a wicked woman Who decapitated him And he describes his head rolling down a hill um, And says how she drank all his blood from a dish And he called her a witch uh, It's quite a quite gruesome poem And he wrote that About that He um had yeah, he's he had a few deaths in the family as well. His sister died in infancy under his care. Um, he had a twin who was born with him dead, strangled. Yeah, right. By the umbilical cord? Or? Yeah. Yeah, right. His name Thompson means, Francis Thompson, Thompson means twin.
0: Oh, okay. Right. That's interesting. That's very fascinating. So we spend, so... Was he expecting to get into the priesthood? Was that was that another uh, moment of
1: trauma? Or? Yeah, that was a huge moment. He really expected getting the 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 relationship between him and priests with them was very different. He, apart from one occasion, he didn't actually have anything to do with the priesthood. Um, after he left Lund, left Manchester, um, and he, um, yeah, he they said there's something wrong with him. There's something wrong between him and the priests. Was what was said afterwards. There was a falling out that was never right. repaired, apart right. from one one encounter in the future after the murders.
0: Yeah, right. So and obviously, being the priesthood, they didn't release exactly what happened and why he didn't take that final step. No. No, because no. what what stays what stays in within the clergy stays well, within the clergy. They said
1: he's he's got he got reports all the way through to the last year. Yeah, right. Academically, just brilliant. Yeah, right. Not very good at maths.
0: Okay, interesting. Interesting. And he spends six years at this at this school.
1: Is that an is that an abnormal long time to spend at that school? Yeah, he failed three times. He he was meant to do the first year, which is the physical stuff, hmm. um, how to actually cut into bodies, and then he's meant to do two years until you get to the cell theories and all the pathology and all the science behind it. Um, he kept on went, but every year when you pass and do the Hippocratic Oath. He would fail the exams on purpose. He'd go to London to do the exams and go to a museum instead. And when he'd go back home, his father would say, How'd you go? And he'd say, "If father, the son would just say, um, I have failed. Nothing more was that question. And then finally, they sent him to, on the third occasion, they sent him to, um, to, where was it? To, to Glasgow to do an examination. It's there, because are easier to pass, and he just didn't turn up and do them. Another time he went to the opera. Yeah, right. And his parents were paying for this <laughs> the whole time. Yeah, six years, and so all he learned over and over again was the radically new techniques of of removing body organs. And
0: oh, so he did the practical over, over and over and over, and over again. again,
1: and he spent more money. He spent twenty pounds a year extra, and his mother, no, he, his mother actually asked him what 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 a number of corpses you are cutting up. Um, he was spending like three times the amount on the extra corpses. He was just he was cutting bodies when the lights are out. Right, right. Wow.
0: Like that's, there's some, there's, yeah. So for six years, that's all he did. And then he decided to, what, did he get kicked out eventually or?
1: Yeah, what happened eventually was his mother said, we can't pay for this. This is his stepmother. Mm. The wicked stepmother team, said, we can't pay for you, get a job. Yeah. So where, where would you think, if you're going to write a, okay, guess what job he had? i'm not trying to uh, get do you want, no, do you want, a butcher no 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 that would that would that would be good but how about there's a medical instrument factory on the conveyor belt or he's he's just checking the quality of dissecting scalpers going past over and over again oh so he's just watching blades go in front of him over and yeah, over and a over big and mechanized over again. systematic machine a big industrial revolution machine just pumping out dissecting scalpers for him and his job is to throw out the bad ones now, he got his, the medical, the scalpel that he got was, he, he stayed as a doctor for six years and it could have just been a memento from that. We could have got it from the medical factory. But he got fired. And then he, I'm um, trying to sell the Cyclopedia Britannica, but he read it instead. And he, he had the speed in, I think he had, he could read 380 words a second. Yeah, right. So a page a second. and He read, read the Britannica instead of selling it and they, he didn't make any money. Then he got a job. No, then he tried to join the army. And he spent just the practicing area where you do the bayoneting, mm. and then he got he he um, got kicked out, and then he is they and then that's when he left for for London to become a famous poet,
0: right. So what do we know why he got kicked away from the scalpel factory? I mean, like, um, no, no, yeah. but he just loved bayoneting the dummies, yeah. in the army, yeah. Okay, so, was this stuff that, yeah, I mean, obviously you spent 20 years on this, so there's an immense amount of knowledge. Was he a suspect at the no. time? Why not? Because history if, Because like when the
1: police stop him on the side of the street and they're looking for a foreign sailor or big butcher guy, you know, yeah. tattoos or, or Russian or Jewish butcher or whatever, mm. they see this, you know, timid guy who speaks very well, who's homeless and, you know, looks disheveled. No one would want to go near him, of course. Who And, who, and when they say, what's in your pockets? And he says, some poems. Oh, okay. And they give it back to him. because You're a police officer. You're not expected to know what poetry, you know, to read poetry, let alone write it. And then if they asked him why you've got to raise a razor sharp dissecting scalpel, he'd say, oh, that's because I need it to shave with. Yeah, right. So And if they said, why are you in the East end he'd say, I'm hunting down a prostitute who left me because I love her. That's why he ran the prostitutes.
0: Right. And what is it? Is there...
1: So did they pull him up? Is there a record of him actually... Them asking him anything? No. Oh, yes, there is. Sort of. What happened was... Okay, so London, where the murders occurred, there... They mainly happened around an area called Whitechapel, which yes. was outside the yeah, city. Yeah, but yeah. one of the murders occurred in the city precinct, so different police forces were involved at one time, which yeah. was the city police. Different different yeah. county or whatever. Different county, yeah. So when the head of that county, um, Major Henry Smith, he talked about a uh, suspect they found in Haymarket, an uh, area central to the London area, Piccadilly area, near the Thames. And um, that suspect, they said, though he gave an alibi, without a shadow of doubt, he whatever he said convinced the two police officers, the two um, detectives, oh, he's innocent. And at the time, Francis Thompson was living in Haymarket, and he was living in Panton Street. He was there at a shoe shop. Right. That was the only job he got really when he was in London during the three years as homeless. Mm. And at the time, yeah, and when the police questioned this suspect, they questioned him, and they said they questioned him in Rupert Street. In Rupert Street and Pan Street are the same street; they just changed names. They're little, short, two very short streets. Right. And they said the suspect in Rupert Street. They said he thought they thought he was Rupert because he was an ex medical student, had been sent to a, had uh, had a medical breakdown, and yeah. And what the, the weird thing was, they said about him that the reason they questioned this this medical student who would had a breakdown, who was living in Rupert Street, a young guy. Was that he was apparently getting prostitutes by by getting um, copper coins and polishing till they look like they're um, more expensive, like silver, like farthings. He was tricking the prostitutes and giving them false coins, right? Gold, so they meant the cheap coins which looked expensive, and that's how he got known by the prostitutes. He was he was sneaky, mm. and we, coincidentally enough, Francis Thompson, when he was homeless, said he was walking in the street one day, homeless, no, nothing, no money, and then a copper coin fell at his foot. And he put it in his pocket, and he, for some reason, he turned around and walked back. And as he walked back, the other copper coin fell down onto the ground on the road, mm. and he picked it up again. And he said to, and he, later on, they said, Oh, well, he said, Oh, I would have given him the first copper coin, but you know, I figured I'd sort of deserve it. And it's just a copper, you know, I didn't, mm. I'm not going to find the owner. But when the second one came, he tried to find the owner, but couldn't find the owner. It seemed to just fall out of the sky magically. Mm. And they even called it the name of this incident, he called the miracle of the half pennies. Because he held the put the both half pennies in his in his vest pocket, kept on walking, and then for some reason he thought, "I think they're gold," and he picked, pulled them out, and they were they were gold, mm. which was like like sort of like five hundred bucks, yeah, instead of like you know a dollar, mm. and that windfall suddenly helped him at one of the tough times just before the murders occurred, and he had his money now. Um, so it's coincidental that when the police questioned a suspect in Panton's, in Rupert Street, they described his ex medical student as Francis Thompson was, had had a mental breakdown as Francis Thompson had, because mm. that's why he left medical school. Mm. Sorry, I didn't mention the mental breakdown. No, yeah. No, his so. mum had it when his mum died, Yeah. the year after his mum died, he had a medical breakdown. Right. A mental breakdown, sorry, at the medical school. That, that was the reason why he left, but it like he couldn't sustain the workload. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was that too. So it's coincidental that. Both things match Francis Thompson, but also this they, the police pulled up this suspect with a half penny changing change in value. Yeah. When the big event Francis Thompson said he was living in that area was the, the, shiny, the, coins. the shiny coins. Yeah. But no, to answer the question, no, Francis Thompson never was a suspect. No one ever questioned him. Right. Who
0: who were the active dude? Because
1: I mean, if if you look back to the time, is it it was unsolved, wasn't it? Was it was deemed unsolved. That's the yeah. It was closed point. in eighteen ninety two, four years after the murders. They closed the cases unsolved, and it just said um, um, victim, someone, the whoever did it was murder or murderers unknown. Right. That's all they could write. Wow. I mean, yeah. Wow.
0: <laughs> Where do you go from there? I mean, that the the the
1: well, my question you, is this my question is this I'll jump in yeah you, you remember you brought up Maybrick in the diary well you yes. wrote up the diary yeah, yeah and people yeah. go wow oh, I had to be Jake the Ripper yeah when people say that they go oh, I had to be Prince so I, when I ask this question what evidence do you have apart from the story mm. that there could be the Ripper yeah out of everyone else in the world mm. <laughs> at the time you know true and then they go oh. you know like they, 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 people say oh it's a, the, the the Queen's doctor and then you ask them what evidence they go Oh, I never actually read any evidence. It's but with my guy, mm. I'm just telling. I, I'm all I have to do is tell you exactly happened, exactly it's, what happened. Yeah.
0: I mean, if you if you presented that evidence to, uh, well, actually, you have presented that evidence over in England, haven't you? Yeah. So what what's what's the take over there
1: as far as? Um, they say that he didn't commit the murders. Most mm. most he didn't because he didn't want to. But that was his
0: existence for, you know, like if you, you, what you just explained to me is
1: the character of a man that had deep trauma, who was... Yeah, but the the character of the man is why I wrote my book, because until my book, the character of the man was a pious Catholic who was in the East End, refused to leave the streets of London for fame and fortune because he wanted to wait to find his prostitute and rescue her. Right. And he loved her and he always regretted never seeing her again. Do you think maybe he saw her again? I think he
0: killed her. Do you think... Because it's five, is it? Five or six?
1: Yeah, but I don't think this... There were... Well, there were five, five mm. canical murders. Yeah. Um. And... But I think that his girlfriend, who was murdered by him, I believe, um, I, I speculate, is uh, wasn't one of the Ripper victims, was a totally separate murder. Right. Yeah. But that might have wed his whistle, so to speak. I think he went his whistle if you're going to use the term, with the... Uh, there were the five chemical murders, but there was one murder that occurred beforehand. Her name was Martha Tabarin. And people put her out of the chemical fire because the wounding wasn't exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way she was killed was um, 39 wounds, stabs with a pen knife, mm. and one major thrust with a bayonet. Right. Which sort of sounds
0: a bit like what he was doing on the, the field's before he well, tried to join he, the army he
1: trained to use the bayonet and he and he was and the pen is mightier than the sword and he was a writer and the murders that she was with a pen knife but yeah, right. but i believe that was the whistle before he began the ritual the actual yeah, right. purpose of what he was doing mm-hmm. why the motive behind it i think he it, that was to make sure he was capable of launching into being the ripper
0: I mean, this is just even. But the,
1: the murder of the, of the prostitute, I think, was a totally different. Yeah, right. Agenda. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. Well, is that, that, well, there's 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 revenge in the. If he did find her, I suppose, and that was that was what he was doing. So, how many successful? Like, so, would is there any of his poems that are still mainstream today? That if anyone likes, you know, because the name does ring a bell. That might be why the name rings a bell. Because I don't mind poetry. Is there anything? Because he he did
1: become a famous poet. He got he went to Boston. Is that what you said in the end? No, no, no. He's his works went to Boston. His works. But he never me. left England. Okay. Um. He's 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 the most anthologized. Anath- uh, uh, I never say the word properly. Most anthologized, anath- anath- the most written about poet in the english language like if you get a book on even though you won't find a book on francis thompson if you go to any library and get a big book on poetry you'll find francis thompson right he's the most he's in most books on poetry books than anyone um ever yeah he's known as some people have written him down as being the greatest modern poet ever right. um yeah like yeah and he's definitely considered recognized as the greatest modern catholic poet ever Like there's no Catholic poet by the Catholic Church better than Francis Thompson. So you said the publisher picked him up off the street. Oh yeah, because a poem that he liked. So what happened was that just to get back to the letter, and Mm. so so he it sat in the pigeonhole for a year, and then the publisher was about to throw it in the fire and burn it when, as a joke, he opened up and started to read the poem, the first poem, and it's called "The Passion of Mary." And he wrote it. He started to read it out to his family as a joke. Look at this. Fool. because he'd also re- read the bit that said francis thompson said look sorry about how disgusting this letter is and my condition i'm like a shakespearean villain um but here's my stuff i hope you like if you don't i'll kill myself but don't mind me um and and so the editor read it and thought he was dead and then was just going to burn it and he went as a joke for, you know, to say, "Look at this fool who died." Ha ha! He's one of his. He started to read the poem out loud to his family, and as he read the Passion of Mary, as he read, he realized he was struck because he realized, "Oh my God, this guy's a genius." Yeah, right. And the poem, the Passion of Mary, was about the concept of getting Mary and putting her on the cross and crucifying her as the five wounds of Christ, so she'd be resurrected. Right. So more, more murder of women, basically,
0: mate. As well, you know, like. Well, he, but in a in a in a Catholic
1: context, I suppose
0: so. It's yeah, bit, yeah.
1: But the thing is, he wasn't actually Catholic because his baptism was wrong; they spelled his name wrong. So, in strictly speaking, he wasn't Catholic, even though he was the world's greatest Catholic poet. Right? Did the church have anything to do with his rise to fame, or? Um, no, but he did rise to fame enough to have. To give only one confession after the murders, and that was to the um, Archbishop of England, mm. the highest Catholic in the land, was who he gave his confession to after the crime. So he did have the year of the ca- highest Catholics in the country. So why? How, how come he only had to give one confession? What explain that? Oh, he didn't have to give any confession. But he when he he mm. never had anything to do with the church per se. Like entered, um, but took in church services mm. um, after eighteen eighty eight. Um, but he did know many Catholic priests. Mm. Um, he was f- sent to a priory straight after the murders, well, six weeks after the murders. Um, and he that was owned by um, um, Franciscan monks, and, but they were um, French, but he spoke the language. Yeah. Um, but they didn't speak to him pretty much. They left him alone. And um, that was the routine. He spent most of his life in different distant Catholic monasteries by owned by different, like Dominicans at one or whatever from another different orders, mm. and where he wrote most of his poetry. He spent most of his life outside London, housing male-only, country, remote monasteries. Right. Why? Um, I believe because it was easier for them to be sure he wouldn't kill again. So you think that they knew? I think his editors knew. Yeah, right. But felt responsible. Yeah, right. You think the
0: editors who released his poetry in the past after rereading this...
1: The nightmare witch or whatever it is, they think they they put it together. Yeah, and that's when the editor wrote the dear boss letter. I believe the most famous the the one uh, Jack the Ripper is called Jack the Ripper because the letter was sent to the press that was signed Jack the Ripper, and that threatened to kill more women. And that's where the word we get. And before that, the murder was called Leather Apron in the mm. press, and then it became Jack the Ripper. But that dear boss letter that was purportedly written by Jack the Ripper some people think was just could be written by anyone Mm. some people think was most people think was written by Jake the Ripper Mm. and the police did certainly at the time but I believe it was actually the editor who wrote that letter and I think he wrote that letter to get Francis Thompson's attention to make him alert that I know your history I.e. medical student and I know you're there I've got your poem get here and don't do anything stupid right but unfortunately Francis Thompson turned up and then went out back to the streets and did something stupid yeah, and by then right. they had by then before they discovered him, he was in ragtags, barefoot, you know, looking like gaunt and shabby, bearded. After they'd finished with him and put him back on the streets, at the start of the first murders in August, before in August, he was now wearing a clean suit, big long coat. He was cleanly shaven, having well fed and been bathed at their house. Right. So he and had money in his pocket. Hmm. So, so the editors picked him up before the murders took place. Yeah. He, well, they, what happened was Francis Thompson, they, so the, the, the letter goes out to the press. Um, Francis Thompson um, rocks up to the, to the editor's apartment yeah. you know, building and goes in and they speak and then disappears again and then comes back and is very doesn't talk about the prostitute and, um, that he's looking for. Just says, I'm too shy to be be taken in. They said, we'll get you a house. We'll get you off the streets. He's refused. No, 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 I want to stay. It wasn't until they said October that he realized he couldn't find his prostitute friend, that he gave up walking the streets. So from August to October, they say. um, But then we know he's admitted just in um, November the 15th to the private hospital. Um, Yeah. So they they basically got him ready for the murders not unknowingly yeah are right and the, Well to them Because they were They were famous They were well known The editor knew The Prime Minister And knew the um. Sh- the, Which paper was this? The, he, um, the editor uh, It was called The Merry England It was a periodic journal Of Catholic poetry And essays mm. Um progressive Modernist outlook About um, bringing back The old days Getting back to the the Medieval sense Of jolly old England Yeah right Yeah Isn't that interesting That sort of Yeah <laughs> Good old days Isn't good that old, interesting old, Yeah and, um, but this guy, Wilfred Menall, the editor who owned the magazine, um, was well known to in the publishing industry, was great, very influential and knew everyone or well, half of they it basically, if you're famous, there's a wonderful chance you're good friends with him. He knew, yeah, all the, all the opposition leaders, all the, the head of people. He, his wife was, um, going to be, um, almost just missed out being poet laureate to the queen. Right. They were up there. They up there um, in there. Yeah, his wife was, his wife's, she may have been the illegitimate daughter of Charles Dickens.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah, there was. So was the, um, was the nightmare poem in the the Passion of Mary in the same envelope? Yeah. Yeah, right. And they, and that, but the first one they published was the the Passion of Mary.
1: Yeah.
0: And did he gain some notoriety? Was that before the murders or was that after? Uh, he, he
1: um, before the murders. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, funny enough at the the month of the murder um not november he didn't get anything published until then november he came back and published they published an essay and the essay was um a critic of paul bunyan a uh, a protestant poet yeah um just seems a very dull poem um and in that he said and it's in my book so it says i'd have to i'm only misquoting but he basically describes the the way he criticises him, the way using words that a dissector would use. You know, he says you get the scalpel and you nick every nerve and vein of him. So he talks about basically dissecting him. Right. And funny enough, well, not funny enough, actually grotesquely enough, um, Mary Kelly, the victim, who was 100 metres away from where he lived at the time, in the two weeks he was living there, and she died within the two weeks he was there, living near her in a in a refuge, she was per- horribly mutilated with a knife. Yeah. Yeah you know that so badly that her husband or sorry her partner uh, had to only identify when they said they basically brought a plate with her eyeballs and her ears and said is this your wife and he had or your partner and he said yeah i recognize the, the eyes yeah right she, she was so she it took surgeon six hours to put it back together again okay i could describe the wounds if you would like me to it's, no, I, I think we, yeah, we, don't, we don't need to go into that sort of yeah, detail. And, I mean, and, and Thompson's poem, essay, which I've quoted in there, mm. actually describes a dissection. Like I get, you know, I, you know, I nick the muscle of his, you know, I, I, and he describes it admirably how well a dissector can do it. Well, I mean, you got to remember that, yeah, this guy for however many years just dissected. Well, not only that, but learned to um, subdue people because what would happen is he worked in the emergency room where people would come in; they'd have to cut off limbs. Those people wouldn't want wouldn't be drunk enough or be beaten unconscious enough to take that, so they'd struggle and have to be strapped on the gurneys. Well, he assisted the amputations, and during those six years, and but what they would do was a technique at Manchester Hospital where he studied. Um, it was called Owens Infirmary at the time, but now it's Manchester General Hospital today. It was a ligature strangulation that would cut off the blood supply to the head, so the person would just lapse into unconscious. and He perfected that or used it for six years. And He was known as a necktie poet and kept a, had a little necktie, you know, the long rope like thing as yeah. a clasp. Yeah, that's what he wore. Yeah, he so he's known as a necktie poet as a nickname after the murders. And all the Ripper victims, he's haven't asked me much about the crime site, team what to told into it, but they were. Or strangled before being eviscerated. Yeah, right. And in that in that manner as well, or was a, a cord, a ligature, something? They didn't something. say necktie, but something like rope light. Yeah. So basically, put them to sleep, and yeah. then some suggest a scarf, but something thin. Yeah, they'd be basically brought unconscious quite rapidly from behind, and then they'd be laid flat, laid flat on the ground, and then operated on. Oh, I mean, sorry, stabbed, <laughs> <laughs> operated on. Well, yeah, I mean, is there?
0: Is there a difference in his mind? You know, is it, that's the interesting thing, isn't
1: that's it? A, that's if he's Jack the Ripper.
0: Mm. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> it um, it sounds sounds fairly bloody likely, mate. You know, like I think it's um, you know, I do remember because obviously the police reports and and if you like the the notoriety that Jack the Ripper got. During that time, I mean, the entire of London was gripped in fear, wasn't it? It wasn't just the East End. Like they thought it was, you know. And how long did it go on for?
1: Three months. Autumn of 1888, yeah. October, um, August until November. Yeah. No, yeah. But August the 31st. Yeah. So end of August. So September, October, November. But no murders in October. Yeah, right. So it was only September, November. Yep. Yeah. And where, or, was, where yeah, was August the thirty first, so you got that Yeah, so the thirty first. In September. I can go through the murders if you want to know quickly. i whatever. I know. Oh, I'll go so think much maybe,
0: maybe 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 let's, ref- let's look, we're down the rabbit hole, mate. So refresh us. So who was the first one? Okay,
1: the first murder was a, was a woman and her name was um Marianne Nichols, and she was killed on Bucks Row near Whitechapel station. And she was called killed on August thirty first about four four thirty AM. Mm-hmm. And she was the first of the dissections. Well, no. When they first found it, they thought it was suicide because they see they, they re- re- when the police arrived, they saw that she had her throat slashed, um, but they but they thought she killed herself and someone had just taken the knife. Um, there was no reason to kill her. Mm. There was no reason when in India you didn't kill a stranger who was poor. Yeah. It didn't happen. There was no reason. So they just figured she'd killed herself. Mm. Um, and it wasn't until she was brought back to the mortuary that when they undressed her, they realised she'd been disemboweled. They, re- they saw it was a murder. And they thought it was just a freak event.
0: Yeah, right. So she had her insides taken out, basically. Yeah,
1: her intestines were protruding. Yeah, right. And the second one? Who was the second one? The second one was uh, um, a woman called um, um, Annie Chapman, Nanny Chapman was killed in the back of 29 Hanbury Street, um, not too far from the uh, main um, mar- old markets, vegetable markets, so Spitalfields, um, and she was disemboweled. Her photo being cut. Her intestines has been placed over her left shoulder. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And then the third one was... Third, yeah, there's a to first, The third one was Catherine Edos, and she was... Um, uh, sorry, Elizabeth Stride, and she was killed in... Um, in um Durwood Street or it's actually a um it's actually a very narrow street near um the, at the Gentleman's Club which was a Socialist Gentleman's Club um and no and, and and she was found uh, her, her throat had been slashed but she was still alive her eyes were still moving so he didn't have time to do much more because he was disturbed by a horse um and a cart driver the horse um Freaked out when it came across the dead body or a dying woman, mm. and um, and yeah. so, did so he, fl- he didn't have a chance to do any more mutilations apart from coming through. So did the the horse driver see anybody or no? Sorry, that was in Burnham Street. I said Doord Street, but I was wrong. What oh, was that? Sorry did the Did the horse rider or driver see anything? Did, did someone flee the scene? They didn't see anyone. Just the horse reacted. Yeah right, and the last one was the last well the second last one or that night it was a double murder that night was about half an hour later and it occurred in that's right because they, they reckon because he got interrupted so he went again yeah, yeah. and this one might Square he spent a lot more had a lot more time he had fifteen minutes so he managed to cut um, patterns under eyelids and symbols and um, disemboweled it quite profusely the scatter remains quite far wide of that area yeah what he symbols really... did he use was it was it any sort of yeah he. Um, it was the, it was a, um, infinity symbol type shape that came from. So basically what it, it served to not get too into the occult side of it was, it was like, um, a runway for, for her spirit. Okay. It was like a, yeah, two, basically an infinity symbol, um, two V's cut under her eyelids each. Yeah. Right. Um, and that was, yeah, it was a lot of work done on that. Um, that's when the police began to really freak out, um, and then the final murder was Mary Kelly, and that happened in November the 9th. The double murder happened on um, October, the th- um, sorry, um, October, the th- sorry, September the thirtieth, and the one, and the August thirty-first was the first murder, and September the eighth was the one with um, um, Annie Chapman. So Elizabeth Stryker, Kathleen story, is a double murder, and the final murder, Mary Kelly, in November, on November the 9th, So quite a few weeks be- between the double and the final murder. So mm. the public was a little bit at ease, mm. sort of coming down a bit. And then that happened. And they're the five main murders, but there is arguments about whether they were or were not specifically Ripper murders, and same as murders occurred before and after.
0: Yeah, because I, 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 something told me six or seven, like there's there's another couple that they think may be uh, attribute, be able to be attributed to
1: the Ripper. Yeah, about, you could say about 13. 13, okay. Yeah and then there's a new book that's just come out by a friend of mine called christopher holgrim um, which i recommend to anyone called cutting point Point. and that book on the ripper um purports that it was a uh, carmen uh, a meat lorry driver who did the murder who did them all and also killed a whole bunch of other women called known as the thames torso murders there was a whole bunch of women found on the edge of the thames river with body parts cut off usually just their torsos and people thought that for a long time have thought that it's just two separate murderers and new books come out saying that Joker may have killed up to 25 people if you include another series of murders that occurred nearby.
0: Yeah, right. That's it. In- <laughs> I wanted to say that. It's, and it's interesting. It is interesting. I, I think the the, the the psyche of what it takes to, to be that person and to, you know. But again, if you think... It's interesting talking about it now because I was much younger when I was really into it and that's that it's it's interesting the observations that I've made while talking to you and then also because it wasn't that I that that diary book is the one that um stands out to me however I read a, a lot of different things about the the Ripper murders when they when I was in that period and it's interesting to observe my different state of mind now mm. you know um, and different level of understanding I mean you you and you look at like childhood trauma you would think that bloody that amount of childhood trauma it's not a it's not a reason to do those things. however there's got to be an interesting question and sort of uh, steering away from Francis Thompson for a second what are the things that you learn from a from a mentality perspective a trauma perspective like thinking about absorbing that amount, that information for so long, and I imagine you studied it in depth. What, what are the things you took away from that personally um, in understanding psyche or understanding that dimension of person?
1: Well, I guess it changed what I found to be interesting, not interesting. Um, I think I was in love with mirrors, not doorways at one point. I think um, I thought circles were interesting. Really, they're very dull. They've got their hollow men in the center mm. um and so they have to do a lot of um be very dramatic <laughs> to get any attention or build a, a, a persona and really their persona is the public perception of them yeah um so it's interesting that um yeah they all in a sense do it for the not- notoriety mm. and some just give themselves up before they finish murdering whatever amount just you know they 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 usually revel in the. Famous Discovery. Just bring that mic across, mate. Sorry. Again. Yeah. yeah, they, they, they revel in, in Discovery and being famous because there's nothing much to them. They're quite dull people. Yeah. They know it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. But they're very smart too, you yeah, know, so. It's interesting, man. It's in, it, it's, at, it's, it's, at one point I was interested in Circulars, I thought they, not that they knew anything I didn't know, but, you know, I thought they were part of some interesting, weird world we're in. Mm. Um. Yeah, but now I see more. as just black holes, just sucking up. Well, it, good is, stuff.
0: It's, it is. It is. A, that is a hollow existence to not see the beauty of life and, and see it as meat, or I don't know how the how to actually interpret that. You know, it's interesting. Yeah, wow. It's so in and around that, did you? Because there was. It wasn't, you know, serial killers back then, they they gained a bit of notoriety after that too, didn't they? Like every time there was a bunch of murders, there was different names for different things and there is, do you think it's a bit of a, if it bleeds, it leads? Is that where that sort of come from, that sort of mentality with the press and stuff like that or?
1: Yeah. Yeah, they definitely, the the press definitely um, made a fortune out of it and turned and turned the situation to their advantage as fast as they could when it came to making money and knowing what the public wanted um the the press that really grew out of that was pictorial press most most people read the times and just read the words uh yeah. um, but because the audience and was a lot of Enders, they they translated the news in images so they and, had to take photos well not they didn't take photos at the time but the Mary Kelly photo crime scene, so the first um, forensic crime scenes ever in history, and because they, but before, but images like when I say pictorial, I mean drawings, engravings, um, pictural, sort of like cartoons of, yeah, yeah, of yeah. the, the yeah, news. There's a, there's
0: a, there's a, there's a, I know what's that called? There's a type of drawing that they used to be able to print. It was like the dot drawings. Lithographs. Lithograph. There, that's the one. It
1: was that is that how it was done in
0: yeah. those days, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And um, so yeah, so the media loved it, um, but the media changed. And became you know when you the, the um, it became more the um, like the Herald Sun, like the mm. like the um, pop pulp sort of popular yeah. newspapers. You know, yeah. they go for the images the page three girl type thing. That sort yeah. of stuff started to come into. Um, yeah, there was a change in the press's consciousness,
0: and and, the, and you attribute majority of that to the the well,
1: that was the beginning. Oh, I, I, there were, I wouldn't say it was the beginning because they the press didn't have it, um, wasn't doing it. But there were um, you could get little um, comic books about criminals, you know, Jack Shepard and other criminals in history. Prior to that, you could get little um, chapbooks, and one of the victims actually made money selling little. Chat books, little um, story books on famous criminals, right. British criminals. It, so there was a culture wanting that before it got into the papers.
0: Oh, so one of the murder victims was selling those books. Yeah,
1: yeah with, right. a, with her, with her
0: husband. Yeah, because they weren't all, leaders. they weren't
1: all prostitutes, were they? The, the victims. Oh, they were all prostitutes, but they all had other professions as well. Mm. You had to be versatile to survive back then. yeah. You know, so they're all quite skilled. They, you know, seamstresses, washerwomen, you know, caring for kids, other, yep. other activities, yeah. So you said, like, you just had a good mate say that
0: he reckons that what he's found the ripper to be. Um, is there any other, I mean, so do you think
1: his argument's valid or... He's lawyer. got a really good reason to say why, um, Jeff Ripper was his suspect. There's a guy called Charles Cross who, um, historically was the first person to find the first murder victim. He found, um, Marianne Nichols in Bucks Row, um, he first and he, he, and then they, another guy walked up and they both saw the body. They weren't quite sure whether she was alive or dead and they walked on and later on went to some police officers, said what they saw, but, um, Christopher Holmbrand, who's published his book, and a few, you know, a few other people have published books on this, on this other suspect, um, have it that um, he was the ripper, and because when he gave his name, he gave a false name, mm. and that showed he must be a criminal. So they said that he, you know, if you look at anyone who's going to be arrested for the murder of Marion Nichols, you'd arrest the guy who f- was found near the body who gave a false name. Yeah. But that doesn't explain the second murder, third murder, fourth murder, fifth murder. Mm. So I think he's a great suspect. I think it's the best suspect apart from mine, because at least he was found near the body. Yeah, there's um, there's
0: a, there's a he's, he's near it. Yeah, but everyone's
1: got to find a body <laughs> too. Yeah. So in that case, everyone who found the other victims, why aren't they suspects? But anyway, this guy's a suspect. Did give a false name. Um, yeah, and but that but doesn't but, but why kill the other five? You know how and why kill the other other four in the future yeah. from that time? Yeah. There's no explanation. There's nothing to connecting. To yeah, them. right. So what you said that uh, around
0: each of the things, Francis Thompson kept popping up as well. You said that uh, uh,
1: the diary, he was connected to the guy with the diary. Okay. Francis Thompson's influence. Yeah. Okay. Um, The most important decision ever made in US legal history was by the Supreme Court, and it's the Brown versus Brown decision. It was the one that um, stopped the segregation in the US, in the southern states. And... The when the Supreme Court made that decision what happened was the southern states got back to him and said oh yeah you want us to have blacks in schools and everything okay give us some time and they gave them um, 10 years and because they thought and they, they argued, 10 years you can't just put black people in school you've got to change the bus routes yeah. if you're going to change the bus routes you've got to change the roads because all well, they live there and now we're going to get to them okay and so the big infrastructure change gave us 10 years so the Supreme Court let them get ten years, and ten years later, they did nothing, and, and there was more lynching and murders, and the blacks stopped trusting the Supreme Court. And then they 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 announced the, the, the and what that the reason they went wrong is they took them ten years before they had that second Supreme Court hearing where they said do it now, like they gave them three weeks. Instead <laughs> of the reason they took ten years was because in the wording, Supreme U.S. Supreme Court, they quoted Francis Thompson, and they wrote in all immediate speed which means do it fast, but they didn't give a time limit and they were trying to be soft, but they didn't want to get in trouble. So they didn't quote themselves. They quoted Thompson because they thought when he wrote that, he quoted this checker, or the 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 quarter Five, like the the royal-sided long-term legal profession. They thought they were quoting a, a legal term, but Thompson made it up for one of his poems. And so if Thompson is found to be a murderer, then that means that the U.S. Supreme Court decision that reverse segregation would could possibly be faulty and would stop. Right. And suddenly, if segregation wasn't illegal, imagine what it'd do today. Mm. And a guy called Chen wrote an essay on Francis Thompson when he, um, and and he said that it's you know we should look at this guy more. This guy Chang was like a junior student in England, uh, US. Now he's he does skull. He does oh, what's it? Not the part. Not, not he does. Um, he's like the top ten lawyers in the United States. He's ecological oils Writes several books. Professor major dude now. Um, but he wrote as a student about Thompson, and he wrote um. <clears throat> We should check this guy out because he's actually, for some bizarre reason, they quoted this guy. And what he wrote about it was, it's weird, he was homeless and he was with a prostitute. Did they even know what they did when they quoted this poet? Did they yeah, even know yeah. his life? Because yeah. it wasn't real, it wasn't well known. His true autobiography didn't come out to well after his death. Mm. You know, all the dark side mm. wasn't known. Yeah. It was just, just a nice guy who was found from the street. So not the drug taking. This guy, explored that in his essay and said, that's really important. We should. Anyway, I contacted him and he was very interested he's planning to write a new book. But the thing is, if that book comes out and it's successful, it's pushing the idea. Because when the Supreme Court made that decision to desegregate and they, for a time span they used all immediate haste they quoted Thompson, mm-hmm. every other court in the land did the same. They so did, because that's, that's, that's so, a major decision. So, half so, that, the, those wording, so, that so possibly half the major laws in the United States were written by Jack Ripper. Jesus. Yeah, right. And so, and I'm not even beginning to tell you the ramifications in the now.
0: So, I mean, why, why was he so... Why, so you explained to me a guy who basically travelled the monasteries until his death, and wrote all this poetry. He's in every poetry book, yet he doesn't have his own poetry book. I mean, it it it, it sort of feels like, and to get even more, it feels like that the the church has a, a heavy influence on this, because I mean, obviously they influence laws. I mean, this is the thing we that people don't understand. The church was the power in the land. So, you know, they, they're the ones that actually started the whole law business, you know, like that's the, you've got pay to the, pay the church and pay the taxes, like there's the, the two are intertwined. It feels like his notoriety is tied up in there somewhere, and they they knew from the beginning, I mean, how does the, the Nightmare Witch poem still exist today? I mean,
1: what, why... Because it's under in in a in a, in a Blue Stone fortress. It's it's in a huge um, gothic tower in in Boston. But why would you? I don't understand why you would keep that. Like,
0: you know, like, and how if that was part of his work and that was known to be part of his work, then why was he
1: allowed to become so prolific? Because it wasn't known as part of his work until well after his fame faded after World War II. Yeah, right. So, so
0: basically they were kept, it was transferred. Over. How did it get to Boston? How did all this stuff get to Boston?
1: A priest was, studying, was teaching Boston College, and Boston College is a big college that presidents went to. Yeah. And when he, uh, a priest was studying there called Father Connolly, he was um, frustrated by the lack of Catholic, modern Catholic poetry. So he'd heard of Francis Thompson, so went to look at his research, his life. And he went to England and retraced Thompson's steps and met the people Thompson knew. And they bequeathed him the the, the, the Thompson's writings. And he right. said he created a museum there and it's called the Francis Thompson Room. And it's got stained glass and it's got high ceilings and it's got books with grills over them and big desks. And, and you've been there, have you? Yeah. You? Yeah, right. Yeah. I had to go in there and say, And, you know, hi, I'm here. You know that famous poet that you've got half your building for? I'm going to show that he ripped apart five women. (coughs) Sorry. You can imagine it was difficult for me to do. I wrote to... Do you want to hear my dealings with the Catholic Church? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Picture this. 1997, La Trobe University. I worked out this guy called the Ripper. Um, I end up in communication with the Archbishop of Melbourne about it. And what do you think the Archbishop of Melbourne might say if you present to him this guy and say, look, I think he could be a, people might not have been aware that he could have killed a whole bunch of people, yet he's renowned and people keep, taught him at school? Probably brush it under the
0: carpet, I would say.
1: <laughs> no, if you're a Catholic bishop. <laughs> you If I was a Catholic... <laughs> the Archbishop, there's a long, there's the head a long, of Melbourne. What, it's a long road for me to be a Catholic bishop. However... Um, what would you expect him to do if you're 27 years old and you walk up to him you're a student
0: what would you hope would happen well you'd hope that he'd listen to you however being the archbishop of a catholic church he probably dismissed you out of hand
1: I'd imagine well he told me that that, that Francis Thomas wouldn't ruffle too many feathers and that's all he didn't offer to help him in any other way Um, yeah but I think he was busy I think he was really busy at 97 yeah, he was he was moving pedophiles around Victoria in
0: 1997. Yeah, Cardinal Pell.
1: Yeah, oh, was that was that Pell?
0: Yeah, right. He's a fucking evil dude. Yeah,
1: strange guy. Strangely, wouldn't didn't seem like as weird. Oh, 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 by the way, Fence Thompson was a pedophile. Um, this is shown from his writings and his activities after the murders, and also before actually. Um, so, strangely enough, going to Archbishop Pell in 1997, saying, I think I've worked out one of the the Holy Grail crime writing. And it's a famous Catholic poet who was a pedophile. Strangely, Archbishop Cardinal Pell wasn't as eager as I thought he would be to explore that in the press with me. I wonder why. Well, he was a busy man back then. Yeah, he was so must have been really busy. Yeah, he was busy shifting. But he was told because I retained the Catholic church who I knew well, informed him, and we shared information. But yeah, didn't want to, take, didn't want to investigate it. It's strange. Yeah, well, uh, Cardinal Pell in 1997. Yeah, and anyway. I, and then I wrote to his publishers who were making a fortune from his works and I wrote to them, Hi, this person who your entire family's wealth relies upon. Same family who, who, who own Tintin. Okay, the adventures of Tintin. <laughs> yeah, yeah righto. Same money. Um, yeah, they. Um, I let them know that, hey, no hard feelings, but I think the old guy ripped apart five women. And they wrote back that they see knowing ill will intend. Thank you very much for giving them a copy of the book. And if they don't mind, can they put in their library and use it for their biographies in the f- possible future? They're very nice. Even they today publish for the Catholic Church. Um, they're the ones who paint um, Lives of the Saints and Catholic Calendars are the ones like the literally the big books on what to do and what dates. That's their role today. They're yeah, right. And- so they've got a copy of your book for their... Not this version, but an old copy. Yeah. Very old. So what else did the Catholic Church have to say? You just said that you had communication. Oh, I, I've been told I'm going to burn in hell by a right-wing conservative Catholic newspaper online that, mm. that some people wrote again about um, because I'd committed a crime. It's one of the dead, dread, deadly sins where you... It's, I forget the name, but a crime where you speak badly about a dead person. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's a long word, some sort of infidel thing bad thing and yeah they they were very b- verbose about how could I all just because he wrote a story about killing a woman doesn't mean that he's Jack the Ripper and how dare I say that without any evidence
0: well I think over the last little while you've presented quite a interesting array of evidence to, for, for yeah wow wow so where do you want to go mate where do you want to go from here? I mean that, that it's uh, uh, observing it observing and thinking about it on the fly during this conversation has been a very fascinating experience uh, and I you know I haven't touched into it so I haven't skimmed the surface. Yeah right so yeah. where do you want to go? what do you want to tell us what do you where do you want to take it? Where do you want to go from here
1: or, in, um, story um, um, okay uh what's the motive yeah yeah I think he did it as a as a um pagan sacrifice to resurrect someone why why would you why where where would you go with that i mean being a student of the church for over eight years because when he was homeless what he did was he got interested in the cult like heavily interested in the occult, like um, William Dee and the 16th century, 17th century cultists and necromancers back then written, read their works, like devoured them. Mm. Um, also modern occultists, um, the Crowley sort of... Yeah, I was going to say that's Crowley's gang, is it? The, the yeah. Golden Dawn and all that yeah, sort of stuff. Yeah, that here. sort of stuff. But he was a bit of... It, Crowley was only 13 at the time. Mm. Um, but though, that sort of... But Crowley got famous because of Francis Thompson. It was Francis Thompson who has a... Uh, he was a poet, but he was very influential in, in, in ways. And he's the one who talked up House of Crowley's poetry and got Crowley up into the limelight. Really? Yeah. So he brought, Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, just a quick thing. Um, Martin Luther King quoted Francis Thompson. Martin Luther King Jr. used to was inspired by Thompson's poetry and included in his speeches he gave just for a shot. Um, what else? Um, I know Francis Thompson's poetry were in the book depository. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, he was very big then, in the sixties in the US. Um, I know that um, Gandhi um, recommended Francis Thompson as the as the companion to have always. Uh, when Gandhi was under house arrest, he kept Francis Thompson's poetry by his side and wrote read it for inspiration. So. Okay, um, so yeah. you've heard of Lord of the Rings? Yeah, yeah. Some of the Elven towns in Lord of the Rings are named after uh, created words created by Francis Thompson, like Lothlorien comes from his poetry. And J R Tolkien was a great fan, gave speeches and lectures about Francis Thompson and his influence in his poetry and the concept of Lord of the Rings. Yeah, right.
0: Because a part of the, I know, because he um, Tolkien was in one of the wars, and that's it. Uh, There's some of the some of the stuff come from the things he saw in war and he was trying to make sense of it that's how he yeah but the, but, the,
1: but the words some of the, tr- the the elven language and other language words come from thompson wow it's into t.s Eliot, gk chesterton uh, they're all ezra pound all of them were influenced by him loved his stuff emulated his stuff wb Yeats. The Second Coming, you've heard of the Second Coming by W Yeats? Yeah, it's yeah, a that short rings, that rings a bell. Um, you know, turn yeah. in, turn the Winding gyre, the Falcon cannot hear the Falconer, what rough beach slouches through Britain and Bethlehem Waiting to be born. That that's often quoted in film sales. Um, Francis Thomas's poem, but short. Um, Sister Songs is a long version and Yeats basically just squeezed it down into a, into one verse. But the same concepts all the way through, the same narrative. And yeah, and WB, yeah, it's new Thompson in Yeah, right. And we met him at the editor's house.
0: So who, so is
1: these these editors, as you say, is that, that the same family today With the, that still publishes? For well, them? no, Burns and Oates aren't the Menal family. What happened is with the Menal family, after Thompson died and they got all his money, they decided to create, a new, they decided to do two things. One, make friends with Thompson a saint, and that's why they made relics, you know, face masks and hand mass and stuff and started to set it up so that he become saint, become sainted, become Saint Thompson. Um, and the other project they had was to make a new Francis Thompson, and that's where they got D.H. Lawrence. And D.H. Lawrence was housed in their country estate, made from the money of Francis Thompson's poetry, and they tried to create a Francis Thompson, minus the prostitute and the murders. So how does he make so much money from poetry back in the Is it just
0: being published and read and books being bought and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, it was just, he just, it, it, after his death... He went. He went massive. He was massively famous. Um, the Hand of Heaven is his most famous poem. Richard Burton does a good narration of it. You can hear it on YouTube. Um, yeah, he say. So, yeah, it, um, Andrew Lloyd Webber uses his poetry for his songs. And did a whole. Some people done symphonies with his with his poetry. He's yeah. Wow. So it really
0: is a an an intense cultural phenomenon. And you think that...
1: You know that poem, um, that song um, by Simon Garfunkel, um, where the, I think it's called three, Morning 3am, 3 it says, On the wall, quick he slashes upon the station, then he dashes quick into the evening. There's this, I forget the exact words, but they wrote that poem in Whitechapel. And, and, and Jeff Ripper wrote writing on the wall, which was one of the... It's not gone into the murders. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, it's interesting... Things. So where do you want to go? Do you want to go into the murders? Do you think where... where, where oh, yeah, the motive. Yeah, so I think he... See, so there were five... You got to bring that mic up to your the, face. There, there were five um, murders, mechanical yeah. murders, and there were five wounds on Christ. And I believe he was trying to f- create another um, crucifixion, and uh, a, a female crucifixion to bring back a bring back the prostitute. I think he killed her in a, in a panic and didn't mean to kill her, but did. Mm. And he... And um, a body was found in, in the, um, in the um, foundations of New Scotland Yard that they were building at the time. And there was a torso of a woman, and I believe that was his woman. I think he found her and killed her and then wanted to bring her back, but, last, but bring her back so she can't get away. And I think the idea was to make her from his poetry, and you know I've got quotes from his works and his essays to back this up. He believed, I think, too, he was going to create like a super spirit, like an entity that enveloped the earth. So when he would drink from water, it tastes like he kisses or he'd touch a table, feel like a skin. And if he jumped in a puddle, it'd be her laughter. And he wanted to actually physically create that. And by killing these five women in particular dates and particular places and particular positions and, yeah. And I can tell you why. I can tell, go through the murders and say how they drive to that conclusion. And I believe he thinks he did bring her back, but not what he expected.
0: Right. And do you
1: think the reason he spent the, the rest of his life in
0: solitude, um, because he had her or what do you mean? Like it's it's a-
1: Well, what came back was an amalgam of the victims and her to him. Right. So when he stepped in a puddle, it splashed red blood into his eyes. Tea would taste like blood he basically she came back but the screams of the victims and all that the muffled cries and the slashing sounds i think that became the whole universe to him and yeah and he would have argued that it is we just can't see in his spectrum yeah right and there are strange parallels between later disasters and other horrific events that match Francis Thompson's life. Maybe I can go in there for a moment. Yeah, absolutely. The Titanic. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, um, people have read about Thompson. He's the closest people to him have suggested he had something to do with that, even though it happened 19 years after his death, I think. Um, because what happened was just before it went off, um, a priest at the wharf read Francis Thompson's poem that has the lines, down Titanic looms, it sank. And basically said Francis Thompson's predicting this will sink and a man on the Titanic, or WT steed argued with him who was a journalist who went on the Titanic and he was last seen I don't know what book but reading a book in the library just before it went under water and people argue that he prophesies or made that happen but I don't know that's an and interesting do you way.
0: think and do you think that this because of the occult I mean if he's tied into crowley and the golden dawn and you know or he had an influence over those people that was some really strange energetic uh spirituality type stuff i mean there's some very interesting things that came out of that when you study that i mean was he, so some of his work was those guys read his work as well obviously yeah
1: those guys read his work and said they really loved it right um here's a coincidence um, the very first book on Jack the Ripper ever was called The Lodger, and it was made into a film by Alfred Hitchcock later, and I think a few other remakes. Um, it's still a best-selling book. Um, and The Lodger was published by a publishing firm that was two doors down from Francis Thompson's editor's publishing firm, and Francis Thompson's editor often worked for Mehellen Publishing, the other publishing committee, so Mean was Meenal's publishing, Mehellen, who did The Lodger. And the Lodger was written by uh, Marie Ballock Lowndes and, and her, her, her brother, um, Hilaire Bullock, was long-time best friends with the editor and they lived next door to each other in the country estate, eventually the Francis Thompsons money bought. And the money there was made from the Lodger it was the first time big money was made after the murders on the murders and Meenal's family were involved with that company. And who, so, and, so and, Meenal and, made money from the poetry, but also made money from a book about Jack the Ripper, the first best selling book on Jack the Ripper. And what does The Lodger say? Or is it just a study on the murders? The Lodger's was about a woman who who um, has a mysterious man become a lodger at a house. And she, as the murders take place, she increasingly suspects that he's the murderer. And But it turns out he's not. He's just a man who's been wandering the East End looking for his his woman who's left him. And the real murder turns out to be a man who resembles Francis Thompson and speaks with a poetic tilt to his voice. So isn't that isn't isn't that book describing in two
0: different ways yeah. Francis Thompson?
2: Yeah.
1: They never lied. They didn't keep anything secret. They wrote everything, obviously. We just didn't want to see, they didn't want don't want to see it. So sort of can't blame them. They so just you, make money off it. Yeah, right.
0: Do you, do you think maybe they got the idea from that book? Because, cause I mean, if you if you try and put that together, they were friends, all that sort of stuff. They, he probably knew Francis Thompson, because isn't that the same
1: editor that took him yeah. in? Yeah, the editor took him in and made money from his poetry. And the editor was fascinated in the Ripper Murders during the time of the Ripper Murders. He was so interested, he even went to the Archbishop and they discussed Ripper Murders together, expressly about the murders. He collected, He had theories about the murder and collected newspaper clippings of it. He knew the murders very well the same time, not more than most Londoners, like you don't normally hold a meeting with the most powerful religious person in the land, in your church, about the murders, unless you have some interest or knowledge of the murders more than the common person.
0: And was The Lodger a non-fiction book or was it written? Just one? a story.
1: <laughs> and that's when, And what stories? Stories don't make you a criminal. That's the, why am I picking on Thompson? Yeah. Just a story. It's just a story that lines up exactly. Exactly, yeah. So how do we
0: know that he was looking for his prostitute girlfriend? Because I'm he thinking. told us, he wrote it down. Yeah, right. That was his plan. Yeah.
1: Well, he didn't. He wrote, also wrote down, I believe, his plan in his short story, in his poetry, yeah, obviously, essays, but, yeah. that he had a greater plan, which was to com- com- create create the birth of an antichrist, that sort of thing, a birth of an entity that would corrupt the world but not serve him. And you think that he believes he achieved it, but... It was well, he called, himself, he called himself a prophet. Um, and there were quite a lot, a few prophecies he gave, which I talk about in my book that came true. And he always said, anything I prophesize will happen at least 50 years in the future. He said he was a magician and a Pharisee, which is the high priest. Um, and he was fascinated in the occult all the way through the rest of his life. So what's some of the prophecies
0: that came true? Don't give them all away when people get to buy um, your book, however...
1: Well, he prophesised the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls in nineteen fifty-seven, or something. Mm. Um, that's one of it. And how
0: did he? How did he prophesise that one?
1: <laughs> he wrote in his poem. A lot of his poems are either um, regurgitations of the murders or prophecies of what, he was, what the world will turn into because of him.
0: And has uh, all right. I am I, very curious. This is a this is a dark hole. However. How did he think he was building an antichrist? Because, I mean, am I correct in saying,
1: and this is my memory, in a few of the ones, the breasts
0: were cut off and stuff like if, that?
1: If you, took, if you get all the pieces that were cut out of the, all the different victims separately, you could build a woman. Right. Right. The first murder occurred in Bucks Row, but Bucks Row used to be called Ducking Pond Lane. Where the murder victim was found was actually once a pond where they used to punish witches and torture them to death. Um, Or prostitutes um, Wicked women Mm. Um, Thompson's Nightmare of the Witch Babies um, Discusses that concept Witches and killing them Because they're evil and corrupt It's it's about a man who's wandering the street Sees a fair lady and follows her To woo her and then realises she's a a prostitute And then is so appalled that he's Gleefully cuts her apart Um, The so, but so the first murder occurred where he killed witches. The second murder, which was Annie Chapman, um, her, he's the woman who the stepmother who he called a witch, who drank his blood in his poetry, um, about her. She her surname was um, Richardson. Um, the the Richard, Ripper, Ripper victim's name was Anne. The one found in the back of Hanbury Street on the twenty nine Hanbury Street. It had the name A Richardson or Anne Richardson. The owner's name. And Richardson matched the name of the victim, and Francis Thompson's evil stepmother, and she was killed there. The third murder occurred um, in in um, Burn, which occurred in Burn Street, was a um, socialist meeting taking place by the Jewish communists or socialists, right. and they were the night's talk was about atheism. The third murder, Might Square, happened um, in. Um, near the Jewish synagogue, the largest Jewish synagogue, non synagogue, or Jewish church mm. in all of England. And it occurred in the backyard, practically, of that. The murder of Mary Kelly occurred in the steeple shadow of the Protestant church. It was 100 metres away from the Protestant church, 100 feet. So and at the, so at the time of the murders, the shadow, even though it was that night from the moon, the shadow of the church was going across a building when she was killed horrifically in her room. Mm. The um, murders occurred on saint days, or in every day was a saint day, and a saint day means a uh, patron saint protected uh, occupation of that on that day, like mm. a soldier or uh, um, uh, Wilbright or whatever. Mm. Um, but the murders in each of the five ter- murders, or four days, because of a double murder, happened on the patron saints of either butcher soldiers or doctors, and the chances of that happening is one in 320,000 that you'd have all the murders which... Because what I mean is the police were looking for butchers or soldiers and doctors because they're the only professions where you're required to carry knives. Yeah. And coincidentally, all the murders occurred on the Catholic saint days of butchers, soldiers and doctors. So Thompson and all the murders occurred in the sanctuary in the, before Henry VIII came around and kicked all the Catholics out and got rid of the Catholic church when Mary Old England was Catholic. Mm. That area was a Catholic sanctuary. And the hot point of the sanctuary is if you committed a crime, you'd cigraphy in a sanctuary and you couldn't be taken out by the sheriff because if you were a criminal god would kill you because you're in catholic you're on holy ground you're on holy ground yeah and francis thompson killed on holy grounds to him under the protection of a saint of someone who had to use a knife sometimes the midwife had to kill the mother to rescue the baby or kill the baby to rescue the mother mm. all those occupations had to kill with mm. a knife so you'd mm. be unclean so they protected you so you could still hold mass and be pure to come back to the sanctuary. Right. So he killed in the sanctuary. So the fact that when he killed the killed and he wasn't, God didn't kill him since he's killing on a Catholic state day in the sanctuary, and he's also defined different institutions against the Catholic Church, the atheists, the Protestants, the Jews.
2: Mm.
1: So there's a lot of, but people say, did he choose the victim? No, he just chose whoever happened to walk past at that, that spot. He just chose the location. Yeah. And if you get the locations and you draw them, down you just assume the locations are points on a cross the compass points he went from the first motor he went Okay, he went first murder he went east then he went uh, then he went he went um, um southwest then he went east again and then he went northwest which makes the infinity symbol and the infinity symbol is ancient is ancient is the old symbol for of the vesica pisces mm. on its side mm. the vesica pisces was traditionally the the symbol of the church for a long time, for most of its history. And he studied Catholic history, of course. He, he studied the old maps of of, of the extent. He went and, um the maps from um, Edward Stowe from the 17th century at the Guildhall Library. He knew the old street plants, of the old underground tunnels are, the, where the priests go through. He knew there were the subway systems and the underground water systems, and he knew the old maps and layouts. Um, and how did he know that? He because he used to study him at the Guildhall Library. The only maps, the best maps of old England were in, stored in this library. And he used to go there being homeless because in winter it could keep you warm. The public was allowed to be accessed. So it, was the first, it had been open for the first time that year. To, or actually, I think 87, um, to be open eighteen eighty seven to the public. But the public who were homeless would use it to sleep in to keep warm. Right. And that's when he would spend the winters there, but reading the old maps and plans and ecological history of the of Whitechapel. And so, yeah, there's the, yeah, there was this replication inversion of the crucifixion. Um, and also the women were placed in birthing positions, like Martha Tabern, she was placed on her back of her leg spread as if she'd just been having sex. That's how the police described her. They said, had just indulged in carnality, whatever they whatever they phrased it back then. Mm. The other victims always sprayed out and splitted out. Um, victims, the injuries were to the wombs and uterus. And yeah, I so. know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But if you, yeah, as you say. The, the- That's a satanic sort of inversion. Because you can't, you convert the cross, but the Vesica Pisces, you invert it into infinity symbol. Mm. And yeah, and funny enough, he lived in Charing Cross, which means turning cross. And funny enough, he wrote about the swastika and its power, and he wrote later on, someone should use it. Really? Yeah. When Hitler bombed, The most intense, excessive bombing happened on the murder sites, which was was the quarter square mile of London, the docks. And they said it was the knockout of the docks. But it seemed to be much more north. (laughs) The people will say he should have been bombing. It seemed to really want to flatten the east end. Yeah, right. Most intense bombing in all of England, where the murders happened. Yeah, right.
0: I mean, the the, the bomb sites weren't real good back then, but if they're doing it consistently. Consistently, and why would you say that? Well, I mean, what, what's the correlation there? I feel like you. Th- oh, I don't know. know. Another <laughs> <Yeah, just laughs> fact. Well, that I
1: don't mention that in my book. You see, so I shouldn't speak on things that I don't mention. The Hitler stuff because that doesn't prove he's Jack the Ripper, and all my book tries to do is show he's Jack the Ripper. Yeah. Anything interesting, I don't have in my book. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, it's about circles, so dull. I only have what shows he's the Ripper, in there things that are interesting like that. Now, there's one thing I have in my book which I think is interesting is that if you look at... OK, so England's had serial killers after Jack the Ripper. Jack the Ripper was the first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if you look at... There's, so you, you can list them in different ways, like importance, fame, whatever. But if you list them in how prolific they are as in number of victims, how much they actually killed, which is what it's all about, mm. if you don't want it to happen or want it to happen, mm. <clears throat> the places the, that these murders took place match exactly the only places Francis Thompson ever lived in England. Um, to give you an example, um, and I'm, I'm not, I can't do an order because I don't remember the order it's of the file. That's okay, it's okay. Um, Dennis Nilsson was a, pro, a killer in um, London who used to be head homeless men um, found on the um, banks of the River Thames. There's a particular walled area that I've seen when I was in London. Um, and the embankments, they call it. And he'd pick up homeless men from the embankments and he'd eat them, screw them when they're dead, and cut them up. Mm. Um, and, he did, and he was one of the top five prolifics. Thompson, when he was homeless, was living on the embankments of the Thames. The second um, top guy was um, <clears throat> uh, most prolific was the acid bloodbath murderer, um, uh, and Walter Haig. And what he did was he dissolved his victims in acid baths. Mm. And he was found in Crawley, Sussex. Thompson lived in Crawley, Sussex, and remember he didn't get around much. Mm. He lived in Crawley, Sussex, and he was a, and and what the bloodbath acid murderer one of the top five prolific killers, he was arrested in the Kensington Hotel and Thompson lived across the road from the Kensington Hotel when he was in London when he was living with the editors or and having rooms near the editors' place being watched. <coughs> um, was this Were
0: any of these any of these top five, were they during Thompson's life? Or? No,
1: all, all these serial killers happened after he died. Um, you've probably heard of the Moores murder. There no. was that, that man and woman, Ian Brady and... Um, I forget the lady's name, thank goodness. An awful woman. They're both awful. Um, yeah, their victims um, were k- children kidnapped from Ashton upon Line in Manchester, where Thompson grew up. Um, one of the victims was kidnapped from Ashton Marketplace. And Thompson, when he ever, when he, first, the most horrific experience he had before the riots was when he got lost from his mother in Ashton Marketplace. And he wrote that that was the most terrifying moment, moment in his life to realise that you could lose your mother, your mother could lose you. Mm. Um, other serial sort of killers, are, oh, Jet Shepard. Um, Shepard, Dr. Shepard, he was a guy who killed a bunch of o- old people, um, about 300 or so in, um, using, um, uh, morphine overdose. Um, he was, he turned up, he went, he arrested himself. He went to the police station and said, I've killed all these women on mo- the, the biggest model yeah. murderer ever, which he is. Yeah. Um, and he, res- he was arrested himself in Ashton upon line police station. Where Francis Thompson, upon Line, where he the, the riots took place, and he and then Shipman, who was a Catholic, um, he killed his um, victims using the same drug Thompson was addicted to. More of um, yeah. 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 Um, funny thing about Crawley, the bloodbath murderer. When they asked why did he kill the women, he said, "I had this dream after a car accident. I injured my head, and I had this nightmare that recurred where I was beneath a tree that dripped blood." And this man he would come with a, with a chalice and fill up the blood and urge me to drink it. And one night I drank it and it started killing. I don't know why I did it. Thompson's poem has a man who collects the blood from a dripping tree and feeds it to people in one of his other poems about the Tyburn tree, mass, um, the hanging tree in London where they used to kill the Catholics. Um, and, yeah, I could... all this. Oh, have I missed one of the top five? Oh, yeah, the f- most females. Um, Anne... And I forget her surname, lived in Durham. She killed boys and men in 1878. Um, The youngest victim was age 11, which was the age Thompson was, when he went to Durham to study at Usher College. So the top fives in in the country, not only do I could go into their murders, Mm. but not only their murders, but the actual place of murder match him, like five points on a map, and I've only done the top five. (sighs) And I haven't talked about son of Sam who said, "I, I... wrote he wrote in his wall i believe i kill for the witch king thompson's nightmare of the witch babies and i'm could go i haven't talked about all the (laughs) u.s serial killers and the poems that they quoted before they were shot and the phone range i haven't gone into the beatles i haven't talked about um how he how he's connected to um what's his name the guy who's william Burroughs. i haven't so okay i want to go esoteric
0: i mean all that stuff i want to hear all that stuff but i'm I'm either picking up something else or I'm picking up what you're putting down. Um, I'm either picking up something else or picking up what you're putting down. Um, Do you think that he actually created an entity that has echoed through time? Do you think that... uh, The other one, mate. Yeah. Um, Do you think that he's created an echo through time? Is Is there something to this? Has he created an energetic entity that is affecting...
1: I didn't want to spoil my book because, because I haven't tried to spoil the plot. <laughs> yeah, okay. Sorry, man. I'm just <laughs> but there is. It's in the end of my book, but I can tell you I don't mind. Yeah. But there is a twist in the tale.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just... <sighs> like, it's just very creepy. I mean, and I suppose for myself, I know where the... You know, I, I've studied the Golden Dawn, I studied Crowley and, and how that all ended up and the darkness that that all, that all went into.
1: I mean, is he, uh, <sighs> I should get to the creepy bit. <laughs> I haven't yeah. said the creepy bit yet. What's the creepy bit? Well, the creepy well, bit well, is... I mean, e- we've just <laughs> had a lot of creepy stuff, man. I'm gonna <laughs> the creepy bit is after he died, two years before he died, he came up with a new idea. Which was, oh no, I can bring her back And that's really bad because she's this horror demon thing That's haunting me forever now um, and But the real love is there somewhere But she's in heaven But I can't go to heaven because I killed a bunch of people So how do I get to see her? And he decided, and I've got it in, my, in there um, He decided to wait for it to the end of time f- For the apocalypse When the when the end of time when all the dead rise And they're all together to be judged right, so At least yeah. I can see her again mm. So, the only way he could get there is to not die. So, I believe he spent the last few years of his life putting himself into his writing, like actually transferring his psyche into his poetry. And look, and this is. And he wrote about this. He wrote about the investment of magic into words and in putting yourself in many ways in his poems, bedding your, your spirit into the text. And he would argue. And he sort of says it, and he, cheeks, he says it cheekily, and I've quoted him in his poems, little sort of twists and jokes for his poetry that basically says, we think we're interested in Jack the Ripper, we think we want to know about history, but it's just Francis Thomason hiding in ours wanting to hear about himself. Wow. So, I mean, I look,
0: and this, this shows my, my wife loves Harry Potter, but like a horcrux, you know what I mean? How, the, how he embeds parts of his soul... Into certain magical objects, do you think that this is what Francis Thompson spent the last two years of his life doing? Actually, putting the essence of him in whatever form that is into his writing. Yeah,
1: and then that for therefore has influenced many different things. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that he is immortal and he lives forever now, and not only, see the crimes would have maybe done it but it wouldn't have been all him but thompson's really even though his books it's hard to get his books um apart why from is Flames, it hard to get his books if you're so if you were so because awesome. he's considered now an extreme almost terrorist like poet he, when he did write it says a published, he basically said throw children off bridges in london better they be killed than grow up to be poor and stuff he had a very hard line he was he really like the salvation army but wanted to have a catholic army with real sorts he thought it would be good he had some really hard core catholic ideas which and during world war ii was like yeah fight the enemy get the germans there was that 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 militant catholic sort of like he named himself after a catholic crusader um called Tancred in his writing and Tancred was a crusader who basically butchered a whole bunch of muslims and took over jerusalem for a while he was into that military stuff um he was an armchair general when did he die when he when did he die? 1907. To give an example, <laughs> a funny story. Do you want to hear a funny story? Yeah, well,
0: let's have a funny story. Like this is this is, I'm seeing a dark entity that has cast a shadow long and wide, and I can see. I can see how this rabbit hole consumed you. To be perfectly
1: honest. Yeah, oh, I didn't get bored. Twenty. It was very interesting. Twenty years. Yeah. Made TV even more interesting to watch. <laughs> um, yeah. So Because he, he literally
0: he is the reason if it bleeds, it leads. And if he is attached, his entity and his writing to that, that is then manipulating modern media to this day.
1: (coughs) You're a ripper. (laughs) You bloody ripper. (laughs) It's, 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 come on, it's, and let me be frank with you, Francis Thompson, you know, doubting Thomas. It's there's stuff, like even quotes, um, oh, what's, um, famous movie titles come from his poetry, like from the fifties and stuff. Um, um, I just can't think of any at the moment, but they're in my book. No, are they? Yeah, I have to think of one. Lines from his poetry just became movie titles we love today. Yeah.
0: So let me be frank with you. Is that actually referencing him? Is that?
1: Well, y- yeah. Do we know that, or is that, a, is that a. Ah, that's the thing. When when you go down the rabbit hole, okay, so Wilfred Meadle might have known, his wife may have known, and then you have to go, who else might have known? Who else might have known? You know, but I think all that detracts from the man, because I think it was diabolical, mm. and diabolical means evil with intent and mm. and a lot of and scheming. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh, so here's something. So the guy in charge of the police investigation was a guy called Sir Charles Warren, mm. and he he and after the last murder, he quit the police force. He, they, the Queen called him up and said, "What the hell are you going to do?" Funny enough, the Queen from the first murder said in the first murder to the head of the police, um, you told me this wouldn't happen. Right. <laughs> and um, and anyway, after the murders, he so he quit the police force. She called him up and said, what are you going to do? He's just killed a woman brutally in the home. Now he just goes in people's houses. What are we going to do? And he said, oh, not me, I've quit. And then later on, 10 years later, he was in the Boer War. And if you go to, I don't know if you've got the Guinness Book of World Records, but if you go to the worst military episode ever in Sir Charles Warren he got um, the murders happened in a quarter square mile okay with one guy with a knife who terrorised all of London all of England you mm. know and changed the perspective of crime around the world what he did was Thompson was born in Lancashire Warren got 2,000 Lancashire men in a battle and what he did is this before the battle took place and it was called the Battle of Spear and Cop a hill that they wanted to take from the Germans and what he did was he had like 8,000 men and Remember, so he's a guy trying to capture the Ripper and got all the press flack and got forced out. Ten mm. years later, he's in the Boer War. In this battle, interesting battle, he got his soldiers. He had something like 8,000 soldiers. Gets two of them and says to 8,000, six of them, 6,000, he says, go away. I just want 2,000. He gets the 2,000 of the best. And he gets them the March 40, He goes, okay, drop all your guns. He tells them to unload all the ammunition and get rid of all their weapons. And he says, I only want you to take the hill with knives. And he hasn't got up this hill, at a quarter square mile, he, Lancashire men with a knife each fighting for their lives or their machine gun the Germans. And so many men died holding the, the, the mountaintop, this little flat square area, because they're they trying to dig with their knives little trenches, which are about like a few centimetres deep, and got bitten by ants and could just died, got shot to pieces. And funny enough, Warren, who failed to capture Jath Ripper on that day, captured Winston Churchill, because Winston Churchill was a journalist at the time. Churchill's new Wilfred Meenal, okay? Mm. Wilfred Meenal's um, father and... Now, Wilfred... Alice Meenal had a, those relationships between them, sort of amorous relationships between the, the Churchills and the Meenals. Right. Church, Winston Churchill got arrested for trying to override the orders of warrant. He basically tried to get them into retreat and bring, his, him, back. bring him back. And he got arrested. And another person who almost got arrested that day was Mahatma Gandhi. He was also at the same battle, working on the stretches of the Red Cross, and yeah. then after the after the British got the hill, Charles Warren then said, "We don't want anyone more," and abandoned it because his experiment was done.
0: Why would he tell them to put there? I mean, I'm I'm, I'm I, okay.
1: I, so, so you got one man. Okay, front one man terrorizes the entire city with yeah. one knife. Imagine if you had two thousand men like that who are desperate for their lives in the quarter square mile if you command a right, if you know about the Ripper crimes. What can I do? So I failed catching the Ripper, but what if I can make 2,000 of them? Clones of the Ripper. Yeah, right. Eugenics. Funny enough, Francis Thompson died. (laughs) Oh, he's deaf funny. (laughs) He died age 47, pretty young. What happened was that the editor said, you don't look too well. I think you're sick. And Thompson said, no, nah, I'm fine. He goes, no, nah, I think you got a bad cough. And Thompson no, nah, no, nah, I'm all right. I'm fine. Thanks. And he goes, no, nah, I think you should go to hospital. Thompson goes, no, nah, I don't want to go to hospital. I'm fine. Then he gets a letter from the editor's daughter saying, I'm dying. I'm in hospital. Can you please come? The priest is giving last rites. So Thompson flees, runs to the hospital, gets grabbed by security, gets searched for drugs, which they find in his... Shoe, they chuck him in isolation wall on the top floor in the corner, keep him there with um out of off drugs, going through withdrawals by himself for a week, and then they then the editor rocks up with his with his son-in-law who's a lawyer, and saying, "Can you if you sign this will and give me all your rights to your writing, we'll we'll give you drugs." And he did. He he signed all that stuff, and then two days later died overdose and the the funny enough the guy who was a lawyer was a man called caleb sailorby who was the head of the english eugenics society they were, at the time was preaching the elimination of cr- killing of criminals like hitler eventually did and people say the eugenics movement of England is what spurred hitler on to cause the holocaust and thompson died at the age of 47 which is the age of his oldest victim and then he had a secret private burial a week later, and he's wasn't even mentioned in the present until after being dead and buried. No, no, and uh, there was an autopsy performed. But it was a secret. There wasn't an autopsy there, performed. Well, there, officially there wasn't, but there was.
0: So, do you think that he shared that he created this entity, or you know what I mean? Like, how how deep do you think the rabbit hole goes? I mean, are we are we talking? About another level of dark secrets from the Catholic Church, or you know, because I mean, they've they've if you if you play that out, they've used those very things that technically, if he did his job, they've used that to their advantage for the last two hundred years. Yeah. What are we going to do about it? What can you do? Wait for the apocalypse. <laughs> wow. Man, I had no idea where this was going to go.
1: And I've only scratched the surface. Yeah. Chesterton said about G.K. Chesterton, he wrote Father mysteries. he's quite still heard of. He wrote, Francis Thompson, you can look infinitely in and in and infinitely out and out. He said that thing he spun over his head wasn't a thurible, it was the earth.
0: So, did, hang on a minute. Did you just say before that potentially, through his work, he inspired eugenics?
1: He, the, you know, the head of the the Eugenics Society was the man who was the who witnessed a will, and weirdly enough, Thompson died of a prescribed of morphomania which is a technical term, which is a drug overdose um, from morphine two days after a in his cell. In the top floor of this isolation, they took the whole floor and put him in a corner and left him there two days. After the sign that will, he died two days later. Administering him drugs.
0: And they administered, him or he was administering himself. They took it to the room, which is locked in. And he, yeah, okay. It's heavy, man. That's heavy stuff.
1: So where did he, where did he... Can you see why Stonehenge doesn't bother me that much? Yeah. Because there's more things in heaven and earth than we'll ever know and I know nothing. Yeah.
0: I've got like a thousand questions that I'm not sure I want to know the answer to. You know what I mean? Like there's things rolling through my head. How did he, so... It's a ghost
1: story. That's why.
0: Mm. So do, do we know, you said he studied paganism and all that sort of stuff. The texts that he would have been studying back then are probably the ones that are now locked in a uh, underneath the Vatican. Um, but that would could have potentially been a proper, full blown
1: ritual. You have trust me, it's it's in my book. It's he really went into it. He we're talking about like the numerology of five the yeah. journey principles of the neurology, we're talking about um, um, Zoroastrian symbology, we're talking about Freemasonry history, he wrote a book against the Freemasonry, he even wrote a whole confession of the murders, I believe. He, his editor asked for it, the editor said, hey, because he'd almost killed another woman, I believe, and I can tell about why the pl- editors might have feared it, and you can tell by their actions, that's what they suspected. But um, he, the editor said, said, look, why don't you just put it all down on paper, right, everything that happened in 1888, just get it over with. Just get it out of your mind. Thompson did. Yeah. You know, spent a few months writing it. And then the, the next day, and he said to read the it, the next day the editor said, I read it. And he goes, oh, what's happening to it? And he did he go to the Vatican like he said it would? And he goes, no, I burnt it.
0: Right. But you don't think you did burn it. You never know. There's no way I known. have
1: no idea. But I do know things were sent to the Vatican from Francis Thompson. There were other things that were sent directly to them from there that he'd created. But, you know, Francis Thompson, Francis Thompson only had one lung. Do you know that, saint, that Pope Francis only has one lung? Really?
0: Yeah, strange.
1: Did they make him a saint?
0: Did they make him a saint in the end? Was he...
1: No, to be a saint, you have to have three miracles. And there was a miracle of half pennies, and there was a couple other miracles I could go into. But for some reason, well, basically, as I said, he was too fanatical. Mm. It read well in 1845. It didn't read well in the hippie sixties. Yeah, right. Because of all the the darkness of his poems and all that sort of stuff. <sighs> well, yeah, they, they started to discover things. They found out that it, that Wilfred basically um, edited heaps of stuff and burned and changed, made poems more palatable. Um, yeah, tried to destroy anything he could. What, to try and save his name or try not to make him out for the monster that he actually well, was? Well, to preserve the dignity of a great poet who suffered looking for his loved one on the streets of London. A purely innocent man. Couldn't hurt a fly, his wife said. Couldn't, kill, couldn't hurt a fly. But, apparently, but funny, even though he didn't hurt a fly, apparently, he killed something like, I think like 500 million wasps once. <laughs> 500 million wasps? Just before he died, he was staying at uh, he was staying two years on the two years before he died. You know, I was talking about the time he was investing himself into his literature. Two years before his death, he was staying in a farm in Sussex, and there were wasps staying at the farm. And the owner was a guy called Wilfred Blunt. And Wilfred Blunt said, "I'm sorry about all the wasps; they're particularly numerous this summer." But one finally bit Thompson, and Thompson cursed it in Latin. And that and then they disappeared, and they didn't come back for a year. They all the wasps in Sussex vanished. And the guy, Wilfred Blunt was an ambassador for the Crown.
0: So are we... Uh, and look, there's the, the terminology that, that you can only use because there's no other terminology to use. Are you saying he's a high, dark wizard or or, or something along those lines? Are we... Are we is that where you're, you're steering this sort of thing? Because, I mean...
1: Well, I'm, I I don't I don't know anything about Francis Thompson. You know, I know it's just what everyone else knows. Like, nothing just comes from a hidden box. It didn't come from a secret whisper. It's or something under a table. It's all in the public you know, domain. I mean, yeah, but it's in the public domain.
0: However, you spent twenty years digging, I'm sure you've seen documents that no one else has seen. I have.
1: I, I handled like the Jethro Ripper letter. I was handling it. I was the only person ever, I think, in the last decades to touch it, and I, because I had a good reason to actually physically hold it. And I, when I was, I was led there by, by machine gun armed guards, to the vows of the Q archives to be in a room with it, you know, and the, the letter that talks about ripping up women. Mm. And I was holding it thinking, I should just rip it. It'd be so funny. <laughs> 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 so i go to jail, but I'd be famous. Why? Because he reckons this guy's death ripper. I would have got famous faster. And <laughs> it would have been more fun. I was younger then. But I thought, even though it's a funny joke, I have to keep... I know this is awful, but I have to keep to truth. And if I destroy evidence, that's probably not smart. (laughs) So what
0: made you... So how did you... Okay, there's got to be a story in itself. How do you even apply to look at the, the, the boss letter?
1: Um I said that you needed that. That What had never been taken of the Francis Thompson, I'm oh sorry, the Jack the Ripper letters, oops, is the, the series that letters that were saying, including the Dear Boss letter, was mm. forensic photographs. People had photographed it, but they hadn't done it forensically where you use the ruler and a scale. Because without that, a forensic pathologist can go to eight out of ten in a court of law that that guy's the ripper, mm. like the, or the guy because you wrote you, the letter. You're addressing is, the handwriting. Yeah. yeah. Um, but unless you have, but if you have scale and, and, an angle for the photos, mm. then what you get is a 10 out of 10. You can actually have someone say, without a doubt, that's the same handwriter. And I could have then shown whether Thompson had, or had not written the death ripple letter, not if he killed the women, that could be a different story, but you know, I mean, it still pushes something more interesting. And to what was the, there. what was the result of that? The research? result was he wasn't, the Jeff, Francis Thompson from one pathologist I went to was that it wasn't him who wrote it, which was really hard for me because I thought, oh, that'd be obvious. But, um, I now and you know whether I commit myself or not but it, to me it seems so logical it was actually the editor because the editor was known to do that the editor in the past had written things to in the major press to get people's attention right okay so he yeah, done it so it was a practice you, in the past so did you did you compare that handwriting or? I haven't done that yeah, I haven't right. couldn't can't afford it and don't know why I should have to yeah. write a book <laughs> there's, a, there's a, a 400 page book in front of us that,
0: yeah. that tells us everything we need
1: to know yeah yeah <sighs> oh yeah so i won't i can't say, speak for Francis Thompson about i can't say what he thought but i can say what he wrote because what he wrote could be a lie you know i don't know what he actually thought but from what he wrote it seems as if he thought he was this an evil diabolical person who had changed because he killed in the most powerful city on the planet you know, it's and it changed the Your world. London was the seat of the world, but they yeah. the center of the world. And if he committed some sort of weird um, nativity, inverted nativity,
0: because well, didn't they? I mean, obviously, it was 1888, but they reported the Jack the Ripper crimes down here in Australia too, didn't they? Like, yeah, they, it, it, went, it went around the world, yeah.
1: And we've got suspects who died in Australia, you know. Um, there's Patrick Deeming was hung in Nobleville and Child, and he apparently, as he fell, yelled out, I am Jack the, and then. <laughs> Yeah right. So they're you know, we've got connections. Also, a lot of the victims' ancestors live here, and I've spoken to the ancestors of the victims, the descendants of the people who were murdered by him or the, the Ripper, and they're being very glad that I've done what I've done. Yeah luckily. right. So what what were their what were their takes on it? They cried and said, you know, we hated the place and scared the hell out of us, and thank you for finding him. So they agree with you. Yeah. Well, Pete Francis Thompson's family agrees with me. Really? Yeah. He there it was it's been known from the family, the Thompson family line, that Thompson was a jack the ripper. It was like a party story. Right. So he went on to have children, obviously, did he? No, he's he didn't have children because he the only time he had sex was with that prostitute. Apparently, he never had any other relationship ever. Oh, Because he's a pious he's a Catholic. Catholic. Yeah, of course. Yeah, right. And, you know, it he, he was fucked a prostitute, you know, it was yeah. nothing, yeah. nothing, you know. Then with him, he, um, yeah, he, sorry, what was the question? I only thought about what I just said. Well, nothing. no, I was just
0: saying that the, the Thompson family believes it was him and I asked if he had any children. Oh, no, his brother
1: had, his brother had children. So they were um, great, sort of like his great, great, great uncle to the people who I know now oh. who have the descendants. And they're very happy with me and very grateful that I, the truth out there. And they're my friends. So what's the what's the I mean
0: obviously again, you're only scratching the surface. You're giving you are giving us sound bites and we've been at it for two hours. Ooh. Right? We, we we do need to um Wrap pack it up, it up. in yep. the in the very near future.
1: Well I hope everyone has a very good day. <laughs> 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 Look, this is my take on it. I, I, all I learned when I studied the Jackson Ripper murders, which is this awful van, is that everyone around was amazing. Everyone talks about, oh, the police are corrupt and the, that witness lied, and they try to get in the press and there's all this thing discounting all the people who are there. But I think people forget the palpable fear where you're just like, fuck, this could be me next yeah. or the one I love. And well, I one's mean,
0: we, 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 you know, we uh, have been... Uh, experienced that fear in the last twelve to eighteen months mate, haven't we?
1: You yeah, know? we're all collectively yeah, I mean, that yeah. it could be me next, that yeah. fear. Yeah. It's palpable. Yeah. You know, and to live out of that palpable fear, you don't move into a thing where I'm gonna make a lot of money and I'm gonna to start to start a be conspiracy. I'm gonna get a whole bunch of people and kill a bunch of other women because the first one's done by you don't they're scared mm. and they were incapable they were paralyzed by fear in fear most of the time. And just doing something they'd never seen before, you know, a serial killer, someone kills just for the fun of it, mm. who has no patent, who doesn't have a garage, isn't doing it because yeah, there's
0: no, there's no, none of the traditional motives. For yeah, last blah blah blah, yeah, blah, blah, blah,
1: they, blah, blah what, yeah. What do you do? First time, um, a yeah, new creature. Anyway, I think Thompson thinks he was a new creature on Earth, a diabolical thing that would change the history of the world, and compared himself to Napoleon.
0: Do you and this is a this is a, a couple of little esoteric questions to to finish it off. Do you believe that he's succeeded in what he set out to
1: do? Uh, once again, no. I think I think whatever is Francis Thompson, whatever he wanted to be, is now um, discolored by my book. Mm. But do you think he was successful in his ritual? Um, yeah, to him. To him. Yeah, I don't think someone in Papua New Guinea who's eating probably grapefruit right now around a fire, gives a crap about Francis Thompson yeah. or Jack the Ripper. But I think, be, But because in the, in the modern Western world,
0: I mean, we're still fascinated by it today, as you say. Well, you know.
1: if, if it's just Jack the Ripper, if Jack the Ripper wasn't just a, a random dude who just went crazy into no one, no one important, no one we've ever heard of, then it's just, a, it's just an anomaly and interesting. Mm. Um, if it's Francis Thompson, who happened to be influential, then I think it's our duty to know, since we're teaching kids his, his writing, we're teaching kids in primary school, his poetry today, all around the world, of a man who possibly killed a whole bunch of people and believe that what you write down influences how people think and behave.
0: And prove that by creating, if it bleeds, it leads, in the modern well, press today.
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, he, he they said with Francis Thompson, that if you scratch the writing, it bleeds. <laughs> which is
0: exactly, <sighs> well, man, I did not know where this was going to go. Uh, I do need to read your book.
1: I haven't read your book. Oh, it's okay. Uh, look, five people once said they believed me and I, uh, everything's fine. Those five victims, five souls on earth at least said, hey, I'll give that, I'll hold that idea that maybe he did it. And when that happened, I felt like my job was done. I equalized things. mm some think it's all good, mm-hmm. and we'll all see the funny side of things in the end. Yeah. So,
0: I mean, again, obviously, you're you, you're well known in the Ripper circles. Where does your
1: your take on it rank in the number of? Oh, suspects? I I think I, sometimes I'm five, sometimes I'm one, sometimes I'm fourteen. Yeah. Sometimes thirty. Yeah. Yeah. It just shifts and depends on where you see. Um, but I'm not. I'm like some newspapers say. I'm I'm top five. Mm. You know, big, big British papers have said that. So you could, I could boast top five and show press headlines about that. Yeah, right. So, yeah. And considering before me, he was not even mentioned mm. anywhere apart from one publication that went nowhere, unfortunately, before I even knew, a guy found out before me, poor dude. Uh, oh, so another guy had sort of put uh, the pieces together patho- in some way. A, a Texan pathologist um, who had who's done poor autopsies on 9,000 corpses, um, um, forensic. So he dealt with crime cases and he was an um, expert testimony witness in major um, high-profile crime cases, murders um, He wrote an essay that was published a hundred years after Ripper murders, a century after exactly as Thompson predicted yeah. uh, as uh, a, a Essay in a magazine called The Criminologist and in that essay the question the headline was Was, was Francis Thompson, Jack the Ripper? And he argued, like, why Thompson could be the ripper. But what he didn't have, which my research shows, he had a knife and he was 100 metres away from the last victim. And this guy had everything, you know, prostitute, drugs, his weird writing, his skill. You know, he was a pathologist saying, look, to do the type of wounding, you need to have this expertise. And yeah, I well, noticed, you need to know how to cut the nerves and remove those body parts yeah. cleanly. with you and know, just body. not get blood on you. where well, you do that. And Thompson, six years, knows how to not get blood on you. He's only bloody... Doctor suit, you know. Yeah. So, have you, did you speak to that
0: guy? Or was that is that uh, was that after your time?
1: Oh no, no, no. I, I when I came up with my stuff, I my theory, in ninety seven. I went all over the internet, which was babyish back then, for trying to find anything that anyone else had thought that Francis Thompson was Jeff and I had nothing, and nothing, no books or anything. And all the books on Thompson just said he was a nice guy. Um, apart from the biographies, and when you start to look at his actual letters, that the biographies are usually based on. And then you look his unpublished stuff. But um anyway, nice guy. And I didn't know that he'd that anyone had done anything before me until a few years later. And then I when I when I found out I thought he was dead because it happened so long before me and he was old at the time. Mm. I didn't bother to contact him. I thought if he was interested, he'll get in contact with me. He's older and wiser than me. I'm so I've been in the press, mm. you, know, you know, I was already, you know, around the world. You know, it's been New York press, it's British, India, China, everywhere mm. you know, at one time. So that that's become known, and he had, and so I thought if he's not following the Ripper, he wouldn't, he wouldn't, he would have seen it. So he's not interested. So I won't bother him. Thinking he was either dead or not to bother this old guy. And then, but then I called him um, eventually because I decided maybe he's not dead. Why am I thinking he's dead? He's about eighty, ninety. Maybe he might he's still be alive. alive. Yeah. And I called up this old guy who just finished mowing the lawn, who'd retired, and I said, oh, da da da, this and this, and he said that no one, in the twenty years since he'd written that. Um, had even had written to him and he was so disappointed at the lack of response that it went in this one magazine that he kept the check in a wardrobe he never spent the the check of the money for that essay because and um, I was the first person to ever speak to him about it Really, like a magic spell and he puts it down to um, a, a staunch Catholicism by the editor of the Mary England at the t- um, sorry the criminologist it's a respected journal um, mm. criminal journal in England been around for donkey's years um actually my professor at university because what happened is when i decided he was could be jack the ripper i spoke to my tutor at philosophy and he recommended that i speak to the head of history and i spoke to the head of history a man called professor john Hurst. at the time i was working on the republican party move in 1997 in mm. with um steve Izard and that bunch of people and he said, and like my, my like my tutor had said before him, he laughed and said, no way, Sir Francis Thompson. People get christened with his poems and stuff. He's like, ridiculous writes about snowflakes and daisies. And I said, read my essay and see what you think. And they both got back to me and said, you're right. And you're I was no. talking about the, the top history professor at La Trobe University. He said, you've got it. What do you do with that? And I said, what do I do with that? And he said, well, there's a thing in England you can write to, there's like a magazine that's interested in stuff. Write to them, see what they think. And I did, and I didn't hear anything back from them, and then I got money from people that I didn't know, like cheques, cash, all in different languages, letters, nothing in English, and different currencies, and I stuck me in drawers, because I didn't know what, who they were for. I had my name on it, but I didn't know anything else but that. Um, anyway, eventually I got one from America that asked for my book, whose they said, this organisation in England, had said, apparently to themselves to Sullivan Jack the Ripper, for like almost 50 years they said that i'd publish a book St. francis thompson and jack the ripper which i hadn't even written anything yeah right and, and they, they were sending you money for the book yeah different amounts and so and i published my home address they said with when they published my home address people say jk Rowling, and harry potter you know you you know people usually have made up monikers to be a writer so for privacy or whatever mm. um particularly if you're writing about multiple murderers or mm. a killer mm. You know, as a writer, I wouldn't want people to have my home address normally. No, no, no. Um, they published my home address and said, I've got a book saying Francis Thompson is Jack the Ripper. Now, you can imagine what that'd be like if you are a staunch Catholic and really like Francis Thompson. Yeah. You know. and you.
0: But a percentage of people sent you money. Yeah, I got book.
1: a lot of money. And then, so that's why I wrote a book, so I could spend the money they gave me.
0: You're right. Yeah. Well, mate, that is... Um as I said, I don't know where that was gonna to go tonight. It's definitely a different um a different take and I do wanna read the
1: book. However But it's a bit scary. It's all right. It's all it's as I say, this um, has been a fascinating experience. I'm for half joking. It's just meant it's meant to be a gate. G- I hope you enjoy the book. It's mm. actually an enjoyable read if you aren't worried about too much of an aftermath because mm. it's just a story, whether, mm. you know, like a dream time thing
0: yeah well man thank again thank you for your time look i i I think yeah i need to i need to read the book however i didn't know where this was going to go well i hoped i surprised you i tried to yeah you did you did surprise me and look actually i wanted i wanted the what's one more prophecy that he made that came true
1: uh okay just it comes to mind but it's bigger more grand ones <laughs> but yeah. this is a cute one um, he stayed in you know how to say he stayed in Panton Street The Shoemakers mm. um, and he wrote a poem and it's written an essay about dolls when he was a child he he wanted a doll and his mum wouldn't give him one because the girls got the dolls and he begged and finally they gave him a doll and then they found that he ripped its head off and when they asked why he was ripping the heads off the dolls the, and he called them the princesses the French princess of the ball he called it when he um, found, When they found her with the doll, he said to them, "Well, I've always wanted to know what a beautiful girl's brains like. You know I wanted to see what their brains look like of beautiful women. Mm. And then the, when, the par- when the parents punished him for that, he said from there on he realized never to look for brains in a beautiful girl. Yeah, really? and he, so he had this special doll and he called it the bell of the ball. And when he talked about it later, he said that it, it her my childhood of her reminds comes to me as an agglomeration of little china fingers, like this porcelain doll, little fingers scuttling towards him like crab feet from the past. When he thinks of her dead and pulled apart, and what happened in Panton Street. So Thompson wasn't happy to be a shoemaker. He said at the time, "I'm make I'm shoemaker for rich business um, writers who write shit." who write evil things that corrupt the world, and I've got to shine their shoes. Mm. This is what he was thinking, he wrote about, you know, before the murders, when he was questioned by the police, or someone it happened to be questioned by the city police down at Rupert Street, just at the same street, at the end, mm. a different name, Da da Okay, so, so what happens is he said, the Panthers 1940-something, 43, there was a guy called Snake, um, Ken Snake Hips Johnson, and he was singing, Black Dude, he was singing um, in, this, in This Pit, Beneath the shoe shop in 1945. Okay, so 50 years later. Okay, mm. and as he's singing, he the the a, a bomb falls through the cinema that he's seen in. This big ballroom that is underground, and they, this ballrooms underground for the elite, the royalty, the best of England go to this nightclub during the war, during the Blitz, underground and right. it's safe because it's under a theater and under deep under the ground. What happens is the German bomb falls through the picture theater, right through into the into the ballroom, killing everyone pretty much instantly. Forty people. Snake Eats Johnson gets decapitated. This black guy, and then what happens is that um, that the weird thing is the ballroom was in the sh- was, was 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 a complete perfect replica. Apparently, I've seen photos of the Titanic ballroom, the main, or the grand stairway of the Titanic. They replicated it to say, yeah, the Titanic sunk. You know, the whole. Uh, you know the catholic stuff didn't work here's our bloody titanic again and they built a titanic to, against the germans okay right. in a ballroom that's then that bjerk's play there like famous pole. you know they've all played there still it's big still mm. okay it goes through this bomb explodes one didn't explode just didn't detonate the second bomb a twin bomb in the actual theater area the first one when they explode killed 40 people but when they laid out the bodies they laid them out along the top like where the film's showing you know that sort of um, balcony area yeah and the man who saw it said all the bodies because of the, when they blow exploded the bombs were all their clothes are ripped off hmm. and they're not even damaged because of it's the force it's of the, the, bomb. Shock, yeah, it's the yeah, shock so the all bomb, these yeah. so you've got all these pale white bodies naked in a row male and female and the author said the guy journalist said it's weird but it looks like a conglomeration of little China fingers and, and bone hands and feet. And that happened in Thompson. It's been Thompson wrote an essay about, and he's, but in his essay, he said the bell of the ball, was a ballroom. He said bell, and it was a French thing, and the, uh, there was this, I forget the French connection, that <laughs> sounds weird, but there was this thing about the French thing, all the things in the essay, as you go through the topics, mm. matched the circumstances of the ballroom and the purpose, and you know, the like the night, what the singer was the singing, the song, and that. It's all really freaky. It's it weird, synchronicities. Yeah, right. Uh, it's rabbit holes Rabbit holes and rabbit holes.
0: Well, mate, we'll wrap it up. Thanks yes, very much. No man. problems. Um, Thanks for
1: the time. I really appreciate it. No, it's always it's, good, man. It, it, it's, I, I don't get a chance to chat about this much. You know, I'm a dad and mm. writer and I do other things. And mm. so it's good to sort of get off my chest now and then.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think, look, I'm probably going to read the book and ask you more questions, I would
1: say. Oh, no, yeah, that'd be good. And read other books before my. Mm. Yeah, read a book and go, when you read the book, see anything. Think you know, as an audience out there, if you're listening, and you got a book about Jack the Ripper, read it about that suspect. About think to yourself, what's the actual, real actual facts? Like the evidence that shows that story matches the real stuff. You know, check it out. Maybe if there's good non nonfiction books, there's a great nonfiction book where you can. It's a big, thick book. I forget the name. It's but it basically has all the police files and documents, and you can just hear the police sides of the story. And they really wanted to catch the Ripper. They the police did not want people to die. It was horrible, horrible for them too. Yeah, and read them. They're good factual books, mm. not the suspect books. You yeah, have mm. a factual book by your side. Yeah.
0: Well, mate, thanks very much. Uh, That's okay. Thank you. Yeah. We've got other projects that we've got on the board that we'll let people know about in the next little while. Yeah,
1: yeah. We're, we're going to do bigger and better things. Mm. But but I appreciate people who I don't even know, who who maybe aren't, who like I a lot of the time, don't feel the best all the time. If you ever want to, uh, if it made you happier today or kept you interested in something to hear tonight, thank you. I'm glad they did that. And where do, where do people get the book, mate? It's on your um, website. Yeah, it's, it's published by a publisher called, oh, what's my publisher's name? Austin, Austin McCauley. It's a British publisher who publishes it from the East End, mm. which is cute. Um, and I designed the cover pretty much. or not. The, I did the hourglass bit. I thought that was cute, the hourglass. Yeah, right. Fair enough. <laughs> I try to have fun with it. So it's, can you get it online still? Or? No. You know, I had it for free for 10 years online and not one person downloaded it. I was the first person to have an e- electronic e-book on a suspect on the internet. Yeah, right. On the Francis Thompson. It's for free for 10 years and no one was interested. But when I put money sign on it, suddenly people want, are interested in it. So where can oh. they buy it? Oh, um, You can just buy it on Amazon. You can just type Jack the Ripper, the works of Francis Thompson. If you, and, or Richard Patterson. Yeah, Jack the Ripper, The Works of Francis Thompson. Um, yeah, it's available on Amazon around the world, I think. Um, or you can buy it through my website, which is you know, from my website. It's got good stuff on it. Um, P-A-T-E-S-T-O-S. Yeah, I'm not even going to try to say it, but P-A-T. Look, Thank you. Yeah, I'll post it in the show notes. Yeah, cool. All right.
0: Good on you, mate. We'll talk soon. Thanks, everyone. Good on you, Thank you very much, Griffin. Too easy, mate. Thank you. Appreciate it.